looking at? I'm Fathery. I'm Aaron. And this is Text Trek, also drawn to Trek. <laughs> you know what's up. Here we go. Captain's log, star date 7403.6. pretending to do a captain's log? I saw that, but I don't believe it. A Vandorian doctor. A uh, shapeshifter? Ah, uh, Look, I can set you up with somebody great on the Cerritos. There's that Felosian and Tactical. She seems like a nice plant person. Intelligent plants? Orion's little game of neutrality and piracy is over. With your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five years! Time to take this puppy off its leash! Warp me! Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 258th installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new. And uh, tonight is also the 14th installment, right, Aaron, of the Drondra Trek podcast. Yes. We made it past the 13th. We did. We got our... I didn't realize it was Friday the 13th when we... Uh, it's not not literally Friday the 13th, but... <laughs> but it was a Friday when we were doing we your 13th, 13th yeah. show of, of Drondra Trek. And uh, you know, this, is, this is kind of a weird, uh, weird year for... Well, for a few reasons. But one is that, like, this time of year, you know, sep- September, October, I kind of... Try to start getting into like the spooky mood, the spooky time of year, mm-hmm. and like I, I don't watch like a ton of horror movies, so I kind of like save it for like this time of year. And uh, there's actually a Friday the Thirteenth in October, if I look oh. at the calendar correctly. We should do some sort of spooky Star Trek on on the Patreon Discord or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I guess we'll have a show on Friday the Thirteenth oh. in, in a few weeks. Now that I think, <laughs> Great. I think that'll be that'll be uh, Lower Decks season four episode seven. Okay, if my uh, Assuming all my mental math I'm doing is, is correct. And isn't that normally like the really good episode or is that like seven last year was the well, it was a good one for me. It was a bad one for you. But that was the peanut hamper episode oh. in season three. But yeah, we have we have two episodes to talk about. So it's gonna be a longer show than normal. And I, I don't know who is here for the first time. I think sometimes with season premieres, we draw in some 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 new eyes, some new ears. We have a we have an audio show. We have a, a video show. So I don't know if you're listening to me or watching me or what you're doing, but I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're interested in Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, you came to the right place to hear people talk about it. We're going to do a, a deep dive breakdown of the episode, kind of, or of both episodes, kind of look at them from every different angle as far as like Star Trek nerds, you know, can approach something, the uh, the, the story, the way it uses the universe, the uh, the visuals, all of that fun stuff. Um, before we start talking about like these these two episodes, we got a, uh, we got l- was it Lower Deck Season 4, Episode 1, Tuvix, written by Mike McMahon, directed by Barry J. Kelly and Jason Zurich. And then we have uh, I Have No Bones, Yet I Must Flee, Season 4, Episode 2, written by Erin Bredette, directed by Megan Lloyd. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I need to say thank you to the uh, the Text Trek Patreon crew. As, as Aaron was just mentioning, we do like to do uh, watch parties with the patrons. So uh, we got one coming up September 16th. That's uh, next week's uh, Saturday. Uh, the 16th, that afternoon, 3.30 p.m. Central. Yep. We're going to be uh, watching the animated series episodes yesteryear because that's the you know the most popular one that uh, everyone seems to love. And it makes people cry unless you're heartless and <laughs> I've never loved a pet. Uh, but we're, we're going to follow that up with uh, the slaver weapon because after we're, you know, we're sad at Spock's 
pet dying, we get to watch uh, kitties. I don't know, like a bunch of <laughs> evil kitties, evil space cats try to murder Spock and Sulu and Uhura. So yeah, that's all fun stuff, uh, fun animated series stuff. Uh, kind of a kind of like the theme of the of the month, I suppose. We, you know, we have the return of Lower Decks. We have the uh, big 50th anniversary of Star Trek: The Animated Series, which actually day. today day yes. day recording. You know, really cool, really big milestone. Aaron was actually at the uh, the picket lines the day uh, because there's still two strikes going on. I was going to say, it's like, I'm a little out of it. It's because I was like baked in the sun for two hours and it was a lot of fun, but it was just like back and forth, back and forth. And I mean, yes, obviously that's what a picket line is, but it was interesting. But there was so many people there. Um, I think it was a really good turnout from what I can tell. I saw Michelle Hurd who smiled and waved at me and I'm still trying to figure out why because I don't think I know her <laughs> like, or she thought it was somebody else maybe. Um, but yeah, so just a lot of fun, a lot of people, really good uh, energy and turnout. Yeah, I haven't had uh, time to, you know, look at any of the pictures or anything, but I I've just been so busy today. But I, I know in like the build up to it, it sounded like it was going to be a pretty massive event. It sounded like there was a lot of effort trying to get as many as many bodies down there as possible. The news was there, so there should be something that we can pull up you know, nice. tomorrow on our stream and, and like you know talk about it. But I didn't yes. take a ton of pictures because holding a, a sign and like a water bottle and <laughs> trying to take pictures and have a bag. It's like, it was it was becoming annoying. Uh, but you I got your sign, your your yeah. water, your selfie stick, trying to take <laughs> pictures. <Yeah. laughs> but it, um, it's a um, uh, I had a DS nine themed uh, sign, which was the uh, not nog. What am I trying to say? Um, Ron, ah, was, Ron, thank you. I was like some workers of the world unite. No, he said he was a union man. So yes, that was that's cool. uh that's that's cool. That's uh one of the most um pro labor stories in all of Star Trek. I actually just randomly tossed that on TV a few days ago because it was Labor Day, and I'm like, I'm gonna watch the most uh, labor episode of all Star Trek. So there you go. But uh, yeah, uh, speaking of that that stream tomorrow, if you are watching us live on Friday, uh, there's going to be a massive celebration of Star Trek the Animated Series on the Text Trek YouTube channel tomorrow, uh, part of uh, mine and Aaron's uh, collaboration of Drawn to Trek and uh, Text Trek. We have a, a really fun uh, guest list, uh, a, a couple of our of our uh, Text Trek regulars like Rachel and uh, Starfleet Sohel will will be around tomorrow, but we also have our friend uh, Jesse Jinder coming by, our friend uh, Larry Nemechek, both whom, whom have been on the show on, I think, on both of our... Uh, they've been on Drawn to Trek and... Uh, yeah. And, well, Jesse uh, co-hosted uh, Drawn to Trek with me um, for the first season, or for the second season. Aaron Waltke also. Yes. Uh, Prodigy writer-producer Aaron Waltke is coming. I have something exciting to tell you, Aaron, and that is mm. that uh, at GalaxyCon last weekend, uh, I, if, if people recall, I... I, uh, here in Austin, Texas, uh, we had a, a convention uh, that had several Star Trek actors in attendance, and I uh, and and Rachel uh, did a panel on Star Trek: The Animated Series, which uh, I'm surprised uh, as many people came to that. They put us in a very small room, but we packed that room. So it always surprises cool. me when people show up <laughs> for, for for DAS. A lot of the crowd I had asked it was it was an older crowd. It was most of the people in there were uh, were my age or older. But uh, I asked them, like, how many of you have actually watched the animated series? And the majority of the people in there had watched it. If I had conducted the same panel 10 years ago for the 40th anniversary, oh, yeah. and I asked how many of you have watched the animated series, it would not have been nearly as many people. So I think the animated series No, there series probably would be, but it would popular. be the three that were people that were there to, to watch it. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Uh, but uh, I, I was showing uh, your book off to the, to the crowd, hmm. and... 
Uh, one woman actually asked, uh, is that available to buy anywhere in the vendor's room here at the convention? So ah. people are... Yeah. I, I told her, no, well, wherever you buy your books, you should be able to, to find it there. Yeah. And um, Right now, but, I think but yeah, that's, uh, it was sold out on Amazon, but I think there was some on Barnes & Noble I could check. But it's like, there's been so much going on. In fact, I mean, we'll talk about some of this tomorrow, but I did a lot of like miscellaneous TAS stuff for, for the 50th. It's sort of like, it feels very miscellaneous, like kind of parts of it. If you see the merchandise that they released today, I did the actual object, like the people and the designs and stuff, but I didn't put them together. So like the layout is not mine, but the parts are mine, which is very hard to explain to people sometimes. So there's a couple I'm like, oh, that's a choice <laughs> for how to put it together. And we spent a long time like putting t some other designs together that haven't been used. So I'm wondering if they're going to be used somewhere later. And I also worked on a RPG, the uh, Star Trek Adventures, uh, a Star Trek, the animated series supplement. So that's it's available right now on Modifius's website, and it's... yeah, we're like a this is like breaking news. This is like not not something <laughs> yeah. that they've they've had a time to promote yet. So you you've heard it here first. But it's available, and uh, it's a PDF only, so it's not print. But if you want to see it printed, I would suggest that you tell them that because like I t everybody I told at the strike, they're like, oh, I want the physical book of it. Yeah, I'm like okay, great. <laughs> but that I think was, that was the main reason why I wanted it. I know, it was like I. I I wanted. I just want like a cool book to like flip through and look at I think like we could cool probably, Star like, Trek stuff. Maybe have it print on demand. I just really enjoyed the artwork on that. Was probably my favorite because I knew exactly where it was going to go, so I knew how to. You know, I drew it for that spot as opposed to draw something that might be on a bag or on a you know a, a water bottle or what. You know, you have to kind of like have stuff that was very flexible for the the product stuff. Um, so yeah, so that was a lot of fun to be able to. You know, we've got Spock too, so we've got this. Uh, figuring out how to draw a giant Spock was a lot of fun to make him look big, you know, <laughs> just draw everything else smaller. Well, I did. Yeah. But when you see it, you, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, sure. and Jim, uh, who is the, was my head. Uh, I guess he's the head of Modifius, um, Jim Johnson. And he told me, it's like, you know, feel free to share the artwork, obviously just not the internal, the page layouts because <laughs> then that kind of defeats the purpose of selling it. Uh, sure. Sure. But yeah, so I, on my Twitter account uh, at GeekFilter, I probably will be posting some of that in the next couple of days. Very cool. Very excited to see that soon. And 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 please, uh, please, everyone, uh, if you're if you are watching us live on Friday, do come back tomorrow afternoon for the uh, the TAS 50th anniversary celebration. Kind of a celebration of animated Star Trek overall in general. I think that is going to be a lot of fun, especially with some of the uh, some of those those guests we have coming. I know if if I didn't have anything to do on on Saturday, September 9th, 2023, I would definitely want to watch. You know, Larry Nemechek and Aaron Walkey and Jesse Gender. So, uh, and we will be talking more about TAS than they did in the supposedly TAS centric. Star Trek Day video. That was a little like yeah, weird. The short ass uh, like 24 minute video that spent yes. about 24 seconds <laughs> on the animated series. When they were interacting with it, they like made fun of it. And then it was like, I think a minute and 12 seconds of sort of, and all of this is leading up to lower decks. I'm like, that's not why it was created. <laughs> but, okay. I mean, I shouldn't complain yeah. because a few years ago, it was like just getting one frame of, of animated Spock onto Star Trek Day was like a, major accomplishment a milestone victory. Yeah. well you know with star trek the people in charge don't always do the best job and when when they have their failings the fan base uh typically uh finds opportunities to shine and you know like get star trek a third season or you know uh, get a, a new spinoff green lit or uh eventually a uh, fine prodigy a home <laughs> hashtag save star trek prodigy so uh we'll just do our own big tas yes. celebration 
um, which is fine. You know, like the creatives and the people who do all the, the cool stuff, they're not necessarily making those decisions. They are not making those decisions, not even not necessarily. It's like a lot of this is coming from CEOs. And, you know, uh, I think pretty much everybody was as surprised as we were that when Prodigy, you know, the people who worked on it didn't even know. So, yeah. Yeah, they were definitely caught off guard by that, but uh, everyone's confident the show will find a home. Yeah. So uh, we just probably won't know anything for uh, another couple of months. Sounds like it's, it's, it's not anything that will be announced before the end of the year. And uh, you know, not that uh, it makes any difference me saying it, but it's like the you know don't don't jump on the people who like were you know it's not their fault that there's no prodigy. It's like and they they want it. They want to be celebrating it as much as we do. Well, uh, with with all that out of the way, yes. uh, we got two episodes to. Uh, to break down and discuss. <laughs> yeah, so let's just dive on in. Uh, first up, we got a uh, Tuvix, the season four premiere. So and you have uh, to I'm spell just... it out because it can be confused with Tuvix. <laughs> that is true. It's T W O V I X. So yes. yeah, basically this is Tuvix two, uh, but they merged the words into Tuvix, which is very Tuvix appropriate. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. So I'm just gonna quickly recap the episode by reading the official synopsis, and then I'll kind of expand on that with spoilers just to refresh it for everyone. But the official synopsis reads, the Cerritos ensigns must assist a caretaker on the voyage of a historical significant <laughs> starship. So I love that they're they're putting Easter yes. eggs in the synopsis. They put <laughs> in the word caretaker. They put in the word voyage. Voyager, yeah. Or voyage. Yeah, I know if you're watching this episode without like knowing like anything from trailers or anything, like you don't actually know until like they show you Voyager that it is going to be That's a, true. A, a Voyager. And if you didn't watch Voyager, or, I, I suppose you would know about it. It's a possibility that you might not know what Voyager is, but the way characters react is like, you probably like, wow, why are they so excited? <laughs> was that the entire synopsis? That was all it was. Oh uh, yeah. That's like the entire synopsis. Just like that one sentence. Wow. But, okay. Um, Normally they're I mean, more that's pretty much all that, that. It's not a very eventful episode. You know, they just escort the Voyager. There's some, <laughs> yeah, nothing there's happens. some people get combined and two fixes, but they, it all comes out in the end with a sentient meatball. <laughs> they navigate that moral quandary. They basically, yeah, they they uh, they kind of cheat. <laughs> they get the ship back in one piece, thanks yes. to uh, Rutherford's creative use of Neelix cheese. I did like that they basically pulled out all the weird stuff that happened in Voyager. There's sort of like that's that all came to to light through this entire episode. Yeah, it got freaky on yep. Voyager. Can we, are are you allowed to say to say the? Uh, S word on on drawn oh. to Trek is that is that like a Trek geeks? I I can bleep it out when I. You edit. might have to bleep it uh, out. I'll have to ask because I know that there's a <laughs> a big thing with like Apple Music and like if you if yeah. you say non you don't mark explicit and then somebody finds it, it's like then you can I don't know like get tossed off the platform or something, which is silly, yeah. but you know, I mean not silly. Uh, there's there were times we had <laughs> we had a special once where every other word was the F word. And I'm like, oh my God, we're ne- <laughs> this is never, never going to go anywhere. And, and the person who was sponsoring the show, Kate chose that moment to pop on. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I remember so that when that happened. Well. <laughs> but yeah. Before we start breaking the episode down, uh, we should each just kind of give our, our broad thoughts and impressions on it. So uh, Aaron, do you want to, you want to give like the first uh, opening statement? We can just sure. t- take turns. I'll, I'll go first on our next episode, but okay. what do you, what was kind of your broad takeaway on, on two VIX with T W O V I X. I had to watch it twice because the first time I watched it, I don't know if I was like in a really bad mood or whatever. I'm just like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Blech. I was like, okay, that that is not a normal reaction to lower decks, and then like, and no one else is having that reaction. So like, let me go back. So I did it the next day, and I actually did enjoy it much more. I still don't love the combining part of it, where it's just sort of like they start taking over the entire crew by combining them. That was just weird to me. So it 
it felt like this. I'm an evil now. <laughs> just, it, I don't know. Like just because you're combined doesn't mean that that's going to happen. But I, I really enjoyed the Voyager stuff. It was really, it was cool that the Voyager was basically a guest star. They didn't need any right. of the people there. You know, they had, and they had great little, um, because it's supposed to go back to earth to become a museum. They have all these little displays and they have, uh, basically mannequins with no facial features of all of the the crew and they got carrie Hi- carrie kim's hair like just right and everything just all these really funny things it's so I think funny a, they put the hair on the on the mannequins but it made the, it made them yeah. all instantly recognizable you know and i think he had a uh a flute not a flute uh, the, uh, a clarinet. clarinet yeah which later that, that got ended up in a macro virus <laughs> yes then they have the the macro nanite which we've had a conversation about like the giant small thing uh, so yeah, so no, I I really enjoyed. It. I think it was a fun. It was a good romp. I like the kind of the idea is this is like it's like yeah, the Delta Quadrant was weird. So it kind of it hangs a little bit of a lantern on that too. And there is the ethical quandary, I mean, although they kind of sidestepped it about you know Tuvix, and they they straight up said Janeway killed him. So that that is one of the episodes that I wish that if if I could magically just make it disappear, I probably would because I'm just tired of hearing about it, <laughs> the conversation. And a lot of times it's used as like lady captain's bad so you know i don't the discourse that comes from it can be a little challenging um but and it sounds like it's not even like that big of a debate it's just i think people are like really vocal but like the majority of fans agree that janeway did i'm gonna trigger a lot of people right now but like the majority (laughs) of fans like side with janeway like in in polls and stuff it's just like uh but i understand but it's i I think star trek should tell like those those challenging stories where i mean there there was no winning solution to that problem. right that was the point that was the point was to put her in in an unwinnable solution where Kobe Yashi Maru. Just have to, yeah, yeah. You just have to like choose like the least <laughs> of the two options. Yeah. So, um, and obviously it's going to be the one that restores the status quo back to the two actors that you already have like on contract to be series regulars. So, but it's, in it's in universe they also would lose a person or possibly they need two separate people to have that. You know, they yeah. they're not a huge crew and they have lost a couple people. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, for for me, it was a, the episode was a lot of fun. I I think they did a great great job uh, showing like a lot of cool fan servicey things on Voyager, but without any of it feeling forced or you know like inorganic. It makes absolute sense that these characters would be you know fanboying and fangirling all over the ship and just like having a having a ball like like we are you know like Mariner's cute reaction like oh my god we have to do stuff on Voy and then like being all embarrassed about it. So it's yeah, not was, exactly the same because it's kind of a different situation but it's like the titanic it's like everybody knows about the ship they know about all this so for them it's like it's kind of like that but the titanic that came back historic (laughs) yeah it's historic and much less uh much less tragic so yes this is this is like the sad ship that had a happy ending they they actually referenced the titanic in one episode when they were talking about tom paris is creating like bulkheads that would close off and he's like just like the titanic and you just see janeway kind of like look and then kind of turn back it's like uh it, you know, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Titanic sink? <laughs> it's like, yeah, but that won't happen now. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> don't don't tempt fate. Well, let's get to like our episode breakdown, just starting with the uh, the opening of the episode. They arrive at this mysterious station in the Portello system. I uh, don't really know what the mission's going to be, but we kind of see, I guess just to kind of remind us, uh, like, hey, it's been a while since season three. So here's our characters. Here's our, our lower deckers. They do like the shitty jobs, like clean out the holodeck. We got to Lynn on the ship now. And yeah. uh, we, we knew about this going into the episode, but th- there are promotions coming. So, you know, Boimler is 
for the rest of the episode, he's kind of like on edge, worried about his promotion. And then they do get the reveal of like, oh, the mission is going to be to escort Voyager and it's going to go hang out on Earth for a little bit and then be a museum They were happy it wasn't that Romulan stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that moment of Freeman and Mariner kind of having like the same reaction is like, Mm -hmm. oh, this isn't like boring Romulan spy stuff. Uh, See, that's that's what I said. (laughs) That's like that's like Star Trek fan people. That's like um, like I kind of like Romulan spy stuff. But I know there's someone out there who's like, oh, I hope this isn't a neutral zone episode. I'm I'm so tired of that. Or people are like, oh, like I'm so sick and tired of Klingons. I hope this isn't a Klingon episode. And you like that that kind of attitude. I love we get like her reaction. It shows some of the excitement that she apparently showed when she was at the Fleet Museum when they're on the lower decks crossover talking about it and it's like you know shut up no i didn't you know <laughs> but yes, she is clearly a, she she's super excited. she's a nerd for historic starfleet ships that's yep. uh that's a uh recurring character trait now uh they did a really good job like the the animators up at uh, titmouse they yeah they are so good at like drawing these backgrounds and making them match the actual sets from but from not the looking like they're just traced or there's something about it that's like it's still lower decks, but it's still exactly Voyager. It's, I don't understand how that happens sometimes. Yeah, uh, but they did a, a such a beautiful job recreating Deep Space Nine. It's like mm-hmm. I'm really hoping in season five we do another show. Like we either go to the, like the NX01 or like we're on a Galaxy class or like I, I want to see them draw like more Star Trek sets in lower deck style because they're so damn good at it that would be cool what do you think of our curator character we got uh <laughs> veljo tweakle he just seems sort of like your standard the uh, kind of worried about his his um you know museum basically more than anything you know people are secondary so i don't I didn't feel like he didn't have a lot of depth to him but it's it's unfortunate so these these two episodes being released at the same time because the sim- similarities mm-hmm. really stand out and yeah. it's like I keep getting the the character we meet in the second uh, episode that we're going to talk about tonight uh Narge who who runs the uh the, the menagerie the menage uh, like I or uh, I keep getting <laughs> him confused with uh this guy with Veljo <laughs> Tweakle like, We know which, that race though right like the face the Rigelians yeah. the Rigelians okay, yeah. one one of the species that live in the Rigel system like there is probably be many. Rigel systems because there's yeah. Rigel, there's Beta Rigel also or whatever, but uh, but but yeah, he's he's one of them uh, yeah. on one of the Rigel systems. Uh, and for the people watching the video, like you now have a picture of uh, him holding the Harry Kim mannequin. You can see like it looks like Harry Kim somehow. <laughs> it's know, funny has... when he's when he's holding that mannequin, that Har- the Harry Kim mannequin, yeah. and he says, "This is a mission worn uniform. Yeah. It's very like meta. It's like this is like a screen worn <laughs> well, wardrobe, yeah. like." This is how like collectors. He's very similar, like the collectors guild mm-hmm. that we've seen. Maybe before he works with them or something. Or I wouldn't imagine that they probably have some sort of you know interaction with them at some point because they're going to want something that a collector has. Yeah, yeah, maybe like Starfleet like uh, recruits those dudes because like they're so good with all the little details. You know, like oh, we got to get like the tricorder exactly perfect to what it would have been like in in twenty three seventy two or you know whatever. <laughs> Rachel asked, did they steal Harry's clothes? That's actually a good question. It's like, why would they, don't they replicate new uniforms, basically? Why Why would they I have mean, it? Um, may, well, these uniforms are out of date. So when they got back to the Alpha Quadrant, they all swapped them out for the black and grays, right? So Right, but I mean, assume they would just re-throw them back into the matter stream. Well, maybe they kept it because it was... Like yeah, the, you had like historic. these collectors like, no, yeah. no, 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 Ensign Kilm, you need to like give me that uniform. It's yeah. uh, very valuable. So. <laughs> I did laugh when he yells at the dude in sickbay for chewing gum. Well, that was funny. It didn't, I swear somewhere in Star Trek they had mentioned gum and like nobody knew Twice. what it was. 
Is that it? it was, okay. It was in a Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite in right. Deep Space Nine Season 7. And then it was weird because, like, O'Brien didn't seem to know what gum was, and Bashir didn't seem to know what it was, and then O'Brien made some whiskey-flavored whiskey. gum. <laughs> Which would um, be interesting. I'm curious to taste that. Yeah. I hate that he likes scotch whiskey because I'm like, any self-respecting Irishman should drink Irish whiskey instead of scotch because Irish whiskey is like a billion trillion times better than scotch whiskey. But anyways, uh, (laughs) they also mention gum in Discovery Season 2. It's what Jet Reno was snacking on at some point and and used to repair something. So it's known maybe they just didn't know it. Yeah, maybe just uh, some people Some people are into like old vintage stuff. Like I can see aliens gum. not knowing what gum is. That's fine. Yeah, like O'Brien and Bashir, like they're pretty, uh, they're they're like earth boys. They like they yeah. grew up here. They should be like, they should if anyone have, knows yeah. what gum is, it should be them. It, Star Trek has that thing where it's like, it only seems strange if they need it to sound strange for the plot. And it's kind of funny. Like, you know, there's there are times when it's just what they know about the past is radically different depending on which yeah. episode that you watch. So it's also it, with like the dialogue, like a lot of times in newer Star Trek, they'll have very contemporary dialogue, but uh, a lot of older Star Trek would always make like a big point out of whenever they're dealing yeah. with people from current day, it's like, Oh, like the, the lingo is so weird. Like people actually talk like this in the 20th century, you know? Yeah. That might, it might be just hard to keep that up, I guess, over, over time. But we, we get our setup for the, the Tuvix stuff. They have the uh, the Tuvix flower, the, the orchid, that caused all the uh, all the problems for Janeway and crew back in, in season two of Voyager. Uh, so the, <laughs> the the petal from that flower caused the transporter accident that merged Billups and Ta'ana into... To Illips? To Illips. I want to know, though, okay, when Tuvix merged, you know, became into being... He had this weird outfit on because it was like a blend of Neelix's clothes right. and whatever. That doesn't exist here. Like, it's a, but they are wearing that clothes. I mean, it's funny, I, but it's like where that, did that come bothered from? me too. That really bugged me. And then today, I heard uh, I heard someone come up with an explanation for it. Huh. And uh, that design must come from the flower. flower? It comes from the orchid. And that makes sense. <laughs> it looks kind of floral, I guess. Yeah. So he's <laughs> got a little bit of fleur de lis sort of look to it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of dumb, too. It's like, okay, for some reason, that does actually make me feel a little bit better about it. So, okay, we'll we'll roll with that. Let's uh, stick a pin in the Ta'ilip stuff for now. And uh, it's just we'll talk about, like, the macro virus on Voyager, and then we'll switch back to the Cerritos in a moment. The problems on Voyager start when Mariner accidentally discovers a long-lost macro virus from the Season 4 episode, Macrocosm, hiding behind a uh, bioneural gel pack in the, I guess, um, in the wall inside of the bridge. And for people so, who don't know, a bioneural gel pack is basically an organic version of an isolinear chip or something like that. It, it's, yeah, I always thought it was weird, like because they just do it on Voyager and like all, none of the other shows ever do it. Yeah, that's a, I don't know. Starfleet it feels experiments. Like, yeah, and it feels like that makes sense. Having a biological thing gives you many more options for storage, and like that's probably why they didn't have to dump their their files into some other hard drive so the ship didn't you know <laughs> uh, run out of space or whatever just because this. <laughs> That, yeah. you know, and it's also supposedly, you know, it's faster than the chips. But does it, I've always heard that they had like FTL processing or something like that. So I don't know how you can be faster than that. Uh, but yeah, they're very cool, though, I think. Yeah. And the, the macro virus itself, like I always love that episode Macrocosm. I know like it's kind of like a schlocky action movie, but yeah. I think it's OK to it's OK to be that every now and then. 
is like we had a musical. I don't think we have to <laughs> like it could be anything at this point. Yeah, like I thought it was fun seeing like Janeway turn into Ellen Ripley for a single yeah. episode. What I love about this is that everybody's been inoculated, so this isn't really dangerous. It's just right. causing a disaster. <laughs> yeah, so this is a lot of a lot of lower decks tends to be like kind of like harmless episodes because like the yeah. jokes aren't as funny if if it's real lethal. Um, there, there's a, a death in the next episode we're going to talk about and it kind of, it kind of stands out because it's kind of a rare move for the show. But yeah, Boimler kind of, he drops the ball when like all he had to do was like stop this macro virus from running out of the, the bridge and he just like ducks down and lets it fly past him. <laughs> it's like, come on, man, you had one job. And this is the day yeah, like so you're trying terrifying to... though, in real life, honestly, it's they like, are that was scary, fine. I, mean, but... I don't know how I would stop it, but okay. I mean... It can't. It can't infect you. It doesn't seem like it can no, actually. Like, I don't do think it anything, would feel but... great though if it had the little stinger thing going to you. Yeah, I wouldn't want like that slime to, like well, get on too. my face or like get in my mouth. Like what happens to Mariner later? <laughs> that sounds gross. But uh, I also liked when Ransom and and Kayshawn kind of have like that bonding moment yes. where he... Ransom says the shaka when the walls fell, and uh, Kayshawn, uh he he gave the um, what is it like the uh, what's his name? His eyes open. It's one of the original oh, yeah. ones from Darmok. It's like it, sometimes they say his eyes uncovered, or sometimes it's like his eyes open. Oh, it's like, yeah, oh, you finally eyes, get it. Something, un- yeah. But Ransom kind of stands out as like a good commander in these in these episodes. Like he, it's he gets to know his crew. That was when you know the things that we wanted to see. I had mentioned that I think it was like would be great to see you know have him be more than just working out. Like have have it give him some more you know personality, oh, yeah. and so it's like it feels like we're actually getting That's right. that, which is nice. Yeah, you said that two weeks ago. If people yeah. go back and listen to either Drawn to Trek number 12 or Text Trek number 256, <laughs> then yeah, you hear the top five things we wanted in season four. And, and one of one of Aaron's was he wanted more uh, development with Ransom. So I think we are going to get that uh, just based on these two episodes. Yeah. And before I knew it, I wanted them to get promoted. It was like, oh, okay, that's happening. Great. <laughs> the catfish things from Threshold that are on display in the <laughs> corridor. We were talking about, like, why would you yeah. have, like, these very, like, phony-looking mechanical animatronics when you could just make, like, a photorealistic hologram with these hollow emitters that are all throughout the ship? But I love these things so much. I, it's hard for me to complain about them. They're, My they're just, headcanon is that they so are funny. actually going to be for sale in the Voyager gift shop. So yeah. they're they're showing off the the mechanical toy that you can get. See, yeah, they the, get the... branding, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, unlike in in real life, where we're all dying for uh, you know Oopsie. a Murph plush or a Moopsie now. Yeah, uh, but uh, these uh, these. Yes, I know they're they're salamanders, not catfish. They're <laughs> uh, they're 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 neither. They're uh, they're uh, highly evolved humans, but but then the. <laughs> the real fun starts, I guess, when the the macro virus uh, somehow accidentally bumps into the computer screen and turns on a bunch of holograms with the uh, hollow deck safety protocols set to random. <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh every time. It's like set to, it's like you know hollow deck safety random, <laughs> just the way yeah. it says it. <laughs> Which that shouldn't even be an option. Yeah. And then, and then like Rutherford's reaction, like no, set them to safety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you always want the safety set to safety. Um, uh. But yeah, that was a, it was it was fun to see these characters. But yes. like my immediate reaction was like, well, wait a minute, Chaotica and the Fairhaven husband, they're both holograms, but that clown's no hologram. <laughs> and they even have Mariner point that out like the clown's not even a hologram. It's like, well, he is now. Well, uh, if, if they also were going to have holograms of other things, they would have that. You know, it's like, yeah, some of them were originally holograms, but this isn't. But that's why, you know, they had that in the buffer or something. It's like maybe they do a thing where they 
show all of the trials that Voyager went yeah. through and he pops up. So he wasn't originally a hologram, but he is now for this. This thing is the the, the embodiment of fear for like yeah. an entire planet. Like um that'd be like a, a something you'd want to have information on in a museum, I would think. So his joke was pretty funny when, <laughs> when Boimler is like, oh my God, these are some of Voy's deepest cuts. Again, yeah. like, they bring back the thing from season two where he calls Voyager Voy. Voy. Yeah. Which, uh, but but and then like the clown is like not as deep as my cuts and he's you know running around <laughs> with a knife trying to murder people so uh, and then we get two Michael Sullivans that's kind of funny yeah yeah so it, it well, you get you get a bunch of clowns too yeah so yeah it goes from bad to worse when the macro virus gets assimilated by a leftover Borg nanite that got missed Left, somehow yeah. and yeah so then it becomes a macro nanite. Uh, <laughs> Which with the clarinet, Mike McMahon was very, very proud of. Yeah, the, the yeah. micro, the the macro nanite with Harry Kilm's clarinet sticking out of it, and Voyager's cargo bay too. Yeah, that that just screams like, okay, this is lower decks doing Voyager. Well, when I yeah, when I I talked to Mike, he's just like I, I said how funny we thought that was. He goes, that is just that's my sense of humor in a you know a nutshell, basically. Yeah, and then you have everyone being captured by multiple clowns from the Thaw, <laughs> multiple Michael Sullivans. Uh, poor Mariner being like, delete this guy. So, yeah, it's up to, it's up to Boimler to, to save the day. Everyone gets captured but Boimler. And then there's like that. It's really funny. There's like the shot of like Boimler cowering in the cargo bay. Everyone else is getting dragged out. And <laughs> then you just see like the, the salamander slash catfish. I think catfish is funnier to say. But yeah. yeah, you see that creature just waddling down the corridor with the Borg macro nanite hooked up to it. Like... <laughs> Yes, it's like, like the, the simulate. It's, it has to have biology in there too. It seems like, but <laughs> yes, it's uh, whatever it was. It was it was easy for the Borg to to hack and take That's over true. and set yeah. a course for the for the nearest Borg cube. So it's you know the Borg are not. I guess the the Borg don't have pride. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not above you know uh, assimilating a, a a salamander robot that looks ridiculous <laughs> and crawling down the corridor to the bridge to take command of the ship like that. Like. You look really dumb for like the biggest the biggest menace in all of the Star Trek universe. It's it's not it's not your best look, but you know the Borg the Borg don't care. They don't let that stop them. So good I for if them, the I guess. Closest Borg cube was that cube that we actually see in Picard. Yeah, the the artifact, which yeah. might be the same cube that we see in Prodigy, and uh, mm-hmm. according to uh, Prodigy uh, writer producer Aaron Welke, it uh, oh, it likely okay. is. Cool. And you know they they did encounter that near Romulan space, so it makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. I guess the the chips are down when everyone is captured, but Boimler. It's kind of convenient that they just like didn't see him hiding behind some cargo crates or whatever. Yeah. But I like the emotional beat after that when Boimler's first reaction is like, "I got to go free Mariner," and Mariner's yeah. like, "You don't need me. You can do this on your own." He's like, "Well, I don't want to. I didn't want to mess up because." I was worried about being promoted, but now, like, I think that's unimportant because I don't want to mess up our friendship and all this stuff. And she's like, you idiot, I'm the one who wanted you to be promoted, and you don't need me. Go figure this out on your own. So that was kind of cool, except his actual solution is like, well, he does need someone else. He just needed an engineer and not Mariner. Yeah. Uh, I do like when he, after, you know, they have a really, it's a good emotional moment. It's like, hey, you know, like, no, I'm not, this is a completely different situation than the Titan you know, don't worry about it. We're good. Have faith in yourself, essentially. And so so he pats her on the head and goes like, did you pat me on the head? It's like, yeah, I did. Sorry, it was weird. Bye. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes like, oh, this will be like a cute little fun thing to do. And you're like, oh, my God, that was cringy and awkward. I should yeah. never do that again. So I liked that. It felt it, it rang true. It felt very real. Yes. Starfleet So Hell says Boimler looks cuter this season. Is that weird? 
I think you just haven't seen them in a while, so hell. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they they I haven't noticed any like new like uh, like facial animations or anything on anyone yet in season four. But I mean, sometimes like in a new season, they do add yeah new little animations. But uh, I feel like they'll have like a pretty wide range at this point. Let's beam back from Voyager to the Cerritos for just a little bit and talk about the uh, the Tuvix stuff with yes creating the Tuvix army, and then we'll we'll talk about the the ending. But uh, Nurse Westlake comes back. Remember him? Uh, he's he's not on the show a ton, but I guess they, they needed someone to do, like, the medical exposition, and they had had uh, to ellipse, like, you know, Ta'ana's not around, so they had uh, Nurse Westlake do it, so that's the guy who, in the very first episode, when Tindy goes to sickbay, and she's like, I'm supposed to report to Nurse Westlake, and Ta'ana's like, this is Nurse Westlake, when he's all zombified. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but he basically, like, explains for, like, people who didn't watch it or don't remember, like, yeah, like, the basically, like, the whole... Tuvok and Neelix merge together thing. Uh, they they bring back some of those same type of, you know, issues that were addressed in, in the original Tuvix episode. Like, you know, what do, what happens if you have, like, a romantic partner? Like, Shax, like, Kess. And it's like, how many of those physical memories do you have? So that's another interesting thing. Like, do these people remember everything? Like, when they get, like, yeah. unmerged, will Billup still, like, remember I don't, whatever Shax was embarrassed about yeah, him I don't knowing? Know. Like, uh, that's also awkward. You know what I, I thought was, was funny was when they show, like, a shot of Captain Freeman staring at her pad. You know, she's, like, looking up, what did Janeway do with Tuvix? And it just says Tuvix status deceased. Because that's what it says on his Memory Alpha page. If you go <laughs> look it up on Memory Alpha, it says status deceased. <laughs> but I, I feel like they, they do a pretty fair job of handling, like, the whole, like, Tuvix debate. Like, yeah. um, like it is, it is kind of harsh to be like, yeah, Janeway, like, straight up murdered this guy. But, like, they... they <laughs> I feel like they kind of play fair, but they also, you know, they give her credit. They're like, well, you know, she was stranded in the Delta Quadrant. She had to make tough choices. She didn't have resources like we have. It's like, obviously, yeah, we can go to Starfleet. We can go to Starfleet Command. The best doctors in the galaxy, they'll figure something out, right? So uh, we don't we don't have to we don't have to like make a make a decision on our own here on the Cerritos. Which the 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 funny thing with that was when they smash cut from Freeman just being like, I just hope Mister Tellups didn't look this up too, and then Mister Tellups being like, Oh fuck that! I'm not letting them kill me. And uh, good, good continuity here. They have, they have to Illups is in Billups's quarters because mm-hmm. you you can recognize it from where in season two we saw him almost lose his virginity in this room, but it had like that same like a uh, display of the Cerritos above his above his bed. But it makes sense that they do this in Billups's quarters because he would have like the engineering know how. It also kind of makes sense yeah. that okay they took their their medical expert and their engineering expert off the board so like the two people who might have been able to figure out like a tuvix solution that's true through like transporters or medical whatever like they wouldn't have them as a resource to use yeah but you know he can use as as engineering it's also weird like how do we gender these characters like they they keep they keep saying like mr to ellipse so yeah yeah, they call him a, a, a helm in the episode so i should be a they at that point literally they like more than one Yeah, but then like uh, like some of them like come off as like uh, like the the Captain Freeman yeah uh, Miglimo hybrid that Ellips creates it, like it, it comes off as like more more very feminine, feminine yeah Miglimen something which is like yeah it's funny to say it's funny <laughs> to say, it's like I can imagine like that personality type just like Miglimo and Freeman just like like both of them have been like so like well defined after 
you know, four seasons. It's like, yeah, like combining the two of them, I get exactly how that person would be. And it is <laughs> weird as hell, but yes. it still kind of makes sense, you know? And then I liked in the Cerritos bar when you just have Talyn, like her drink of choice is water, room temperature, like the most <laughs> like plain, boring beverage possible. What's and... a room temperature? Like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, why would you want, why wouldn't you want like your water chilled? That, that seems yeah. weird. But, you know, Vulcans are, they come from a really hot planet. It's too maybe. spicy that way. <laughs> like room, room temperature on a Starfleet ship might be like cold to them. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Do you think they're setting up like a story arc where like Tindy is going to try to make Talyn like, I want you to like be my friend and, and choose, choose the Cerritos over your, your Vulcan life. And, you know, like basically like, it seems like Talyn is very like impartial on the, she's very indifferent. Like she doesn't care about anyone there. It also feels like she's very, I'm here so I can get back. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is what I, this is the step to me coming back to where I was. I also feel like there's a little bit of an echo of Neelix and Tuvok, where Mr. Neelix was mm. always trying to, you know, Mr. Vulcan and yeah. you know, trying to be his friend. And Tuvok is like, I am not interested. Which um, has a beautiful payoff in, yes. in the in seasons. It, like watch their meeting in, in the in the first episode when when Neelix beams aboard and he's just like, you know, nice to meet you, Mr. Vulcan. And how like Tuvok just like can't stand that guy like watch that scene and then watch like their final interaction when, yeah. when Tuvok dances it's like that's that's beautiful I love that's one of my favorite things in all of Star Trek but yeah I would I would love to see something like that between the two of them and Tindy is so sweet and uh more likable I, for a lot of people I think than than Neelix was I'm not a Neelix yeah. hater either but like I just I think Tindy's is going to appeal to a broader range of people yeah so it's like, can how that. can you say no to being friends with Tindy she's so sweet come on to Lynn but yeah, I, th- I think they're setting up an arc you know I think Maybe even she'll leave eventually, kind of like how Mariner left. Oh, and yeah. Be like, oh, I actually want to go back to the Cerritos or something like I think at some point she be. will choose the Cerritos over going back to her Vulcan life. Probably. I'd or like maybe, to see that. maybe a third choice that we don't know. Oh, yeah. That's it's kind of the third, the kind of the Star Trek thing is to find like that third option. You know, here's an impossible situation. Like, oh, we conveniently found something else. But see, if you do that, then that's kind of like a cop out. If you don't do that and do like the Tuvix thing, then you piss a lot of people off. So it's like, no matter what you do, someone's going to be annoyed, I guess. Yeah, it's like I just say that, that our fandom is great and kind of annoying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I always say we have the best fandom in the world. It's not a perfect fandom, though. Um, yeah. But uh, there is no perfect fandom. But uh, I, I get what you're saying about it. It comes off as like really weird that they would be so like evil and aggressive with their their sinister plot to take over the ship. It's not really evil, but there's just something odd about it. That's it. Like Sohel had mentioned that it's like it takes you right to the line of like, I'm uncomfortable with this. And then yeah. backs off. And I kind of that maybe was what I was feeling. But I, I think that they're trying to to play fair with the whole Tuvix debate, which yeah. is kind of above the pay grade of the animated comedy of Star Trek, to be perfectly honest. Like, they didn't they didn't <laughs> above need the pay grade to, like... of live action, it seems like, too. <laughs> yeah, like, you didn't need to, like, take this like that seriously and, like, honestly try to, like, tackle it fairly. So I, it was kind of a bold move to even attempt that. And I think they pulled it off pretty well. Uh, but, you know, if if you are on team, like, Tuvix d- d- deserve to live, it's like, okay, well, where do you draw the line then? What if they start, like, merging everyone else on the ship? What if they're trying to, like, merge you? You know, like, oh, well, you get merged, and now just you're just gonna have to live as like this merged. Yeah, also now. that you know, for all they're wanting to be, you know, be uh, considered a sentient being, it's like that person didn't give permission to be merged with somebody else. You literally just if if that's what you were gonna keep, you've killed that other person. So it's you know, you've killed two people instead of one. Joel in our live audience, <laughs> I, I see Joel in our live audience is asking who was Shaxx combined with, and he's actually combined with Barnes the Trill. Um, they they call oh. this creature uh, Shabarns, and you can see <laughs> her trill spots 
on on the uh, the the neck area. So oh yeah, kind of a trill Bajoran hybrid. Uh, but it, it is scary when they're just like snatching people. Like I don't want to be merged with someone yeah. that, that doesn't. I don't want to like you know get get combined. And so that that's kind of scary. And then like Talyn springing into action, like like kind of like the first true like Talyn episode. They let her be useful and. And but you know it, it ends up being like a collaboration between her and Tindy when it's all said and done. I liked her reaction to to Ellips when like to Ellips figured out like what they were doing like oh they're taking over the transporters and she kind of gives like the sassy look like she really <laughs> is the Vulcan Mariner. She's like what if you just dialed Mariner down to one percent to be <laughs> to, to you know to be to to be passive on as some a sort of medication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, which is like, like, just like the slight little look that she gives to to Ellipse as she does like the the Star Trek transporter thing and slides her hands on the on the <laughs> controls, which is very cool. You know, something like James Duhon was doing back in the '60s, which is like the, the, the slightest little bit of attitude. Which, if you're a Vulcan, yeah. is probably like, oh my god, that's so extreme, you know. But for us, it's like. Oh, and I was really so happy Vulcan-y. that it actually worked, and it wasn't like something happened and it didn't work, because that happens a lot in shows where they're. Like, oh, we think we've got it, and then it you don't. I, I like that. I also love her haircut. That it looks like the um, oh shoot, what's the actress? Valeris. Valeris. Yeah. What was? Uh, oh, Kim that, Cattrall. That Kim is Cattrall. Cr- yeah. Yes. Okay. Forget that. Like they even have a song in uh, Mystery Science Theater. Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. <laughs> I was. I just kept thinking like she always plays like those sex kitten type characters. Yeah. But. <laughs> But I, I just love that she has that kind of echo of that character. Valeris kind of had a little bit of sass. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Hopefully Talyn doesn't turn out to be as traitorous as yes. sex spoilers. But you know, like when they get them all like merged into a meatball, like, okay, so say like you wouldn't, you wouldn't like unmerge them to like, you know, stop them from their attack. But then what if they all get combined to like one giant, like non-sentient meatball? Like, are you okay then? Like restoring them like at some point you gotta you're gonna break down yeah. to like, okay like it, i yeah i think it'd be okay to like undo this creature and bring them back to normal right and, yeah so. and when there's a lot of like you can take this as deep as you want to go with like uh echoing something currently happening in society or just you know science fiction there's there's a whole level of range of of stuff that we don't want to get into that you could use as an example yeah yeah i can so, see that so i think what they did is is good it, it a little bit of a cop-out but I'm fine with it. But it, they really use it as this kind of an exploration of the of the Tindy and Talyn dynamic of what, mm-hmm. what they're setting up for season four, I think. Because they even kind of have like Tindy kind of like make the case for emotion and like yeah, getting they... to know your crew and like getting to know their emotions. Because she's like, oh, look, I can identify all these different personalities because yeah. of the familiarity I have with them. So uh, maybe maybe that's I, I think they're they're constructing an arc for Talyn, which I'm, I'm excited about. That was one of the things I wanted in season four is I wanted a lot of Talyn. I wanted her to basically become the the fifth main character or the fifth regular like character on the show. Becoming so, yeah. That. Yeah. With these two episodes, I felt like she had like a really large presence. So I kudos. Just keep that up uh, the the rest of the season. And everybody looking very uh, shy and like kind of like when they're unmerged, like, um, right. Let's like, not talk you, about like, this. <laughs> yeah. What, what like what do you know from like that other person's yeah. like, uh, like, I don't know, like their innermost thoughts or secrets or whatever like that's uh that's gonna be a, a pretty surreal uh experience to have I, I don't know anything in real life that would be quite like that you have anything else on the uh to up stuff before we go back to uh voyager no i think i'm pretty good with it okay so on on voyager uh boimler saves the day by rescuing rutherford it's kind of funny when when ransom's like hey come back and and you save the rest of us but you know <laughs> like that promotion is uh getting less and less likely mister but but that actually is what he did was right like yeah go yeah he's like no like i need the guy who's gonna figure out how to break the ship and yeah. that's gonna be the engineer 
So and they might be safer cheese. that way either, you know, just or, as well. Yeah, leave leave them there in astrometrics. I don't think I noticed that before. It's like the the uh, the mechanical uh, salamander is sitting in the captain's chair. Yes, it takes it takes the captain's chair when That's it sets hilarious. the course for like the Borg cube. So it's yeah, it's basically like putting itself and Borg do this. You know, we saw yeah. the. Uh, we saw the Borg uh, take over one of the characters on Star Trek Picard season three and then sit down in the captain's chair. Mm-hmm. So you, it's a thing. I liked Boimler's distraction where yes. he's just like, I'm just going to I'm just going to go up to Professor. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Dr. Chaotica yeah, okay. and, uh, and tell him I'm Captain Proton's son and distract him. And it, and it works. Great. And Rutherford's able to, to gum up the works with the cheese, which it's also funny when when the holograms start fritzing out and just I just for whatever reason, it makes me laugh whenever I hear that clown say, uh, what the hell is wrong with you, Chaotica? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just uh, just something you're not going to hear in real life. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I, I love oh, it's something that we didn't I mentioned before. It's like Michael Sullivan is because can be heard. It's like, I miss my wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Because Janeway deleted his wife. Yeah. It just, so just him he, was just like the stereotypical, I don't know, like Irish romantic figure. Yeah. Just the, I love you, but I can't be with you. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> horrible just, uh, bad accents. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not crazy about the Fairhaven episodes of Voyager. I think they're, they're very, I don't want to say like they're very bad, but they're bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the concept of it is a good idea. Like if you're stranded out there and like you would at one point like, okay, let's have some sort of open door policy for something because like this is our life. This is our world. So if we, if we can go out into like a, an Irish countryside or something, that's kind of cool. But the, the people were way too stereotypes. Stereotypical. Yeah. Don't show that episode to any Star Trek fan who lives in Ireland. Oh, right. No, just, I know. They, like they hate it. Well, you've seen my Irish, um, my um, Irish day, <laughs> my St. Patrick's, St. Day, Patrick's post day post where it's like talking about how awful all of this, the same, the uh, Irish stereotypes are in, in Star yeah. Trek going all the way back to TOS. Yeah, it's 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 been a little rough. Where the only good one was Molly, her uh, Janeway's Irish setter. <laughs> but my lifelong goal is to, is to show the uh, the episode Fairhaven, I think, or maybe Spirit Folks, but one of those. I I want to show it to Colomini and, oh, no. and just get his because I'm I'm assuming he's never seen it, so I I w- want to get his reaction. I like that the the curator is so like pissed off. But he's also like, now I have to add another exhibit. So it's like we got like one one last Voyager story, right? Like if you go look at the USS Voyager Memory Alpha page, it's gonna have like a new paragraph in there, like a you know about like one time like the ship got taken over by a Borg macro nanite, and Boimler and Rutherford had to break the ship with Neelix's cheese. Their picture looks so like 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 smile, like just like it was done really quickly or something at the oh, end. Oh yeah, of the mission. yeah. They they look like they're posing for a picture in the picture that's on display. Yeah. That is, I didn't notice that, but you're right. That that is pretty <laughs> funny. That's like another little subtle layer of of realism. And just seeing the ship, you know, on on the ground at, at Starfleet HQ yeah. next to the Golden Gate Bridge, it, yeah. it, it matches up to how they described it in that alternate future and Endgame. Which it yeah, a lot of that came true. So that's. I like the little uh, the stanchions that have the Starfleet symbol from their badges at the time. Yes, like most of the time in the fandom, we call that the Voyager Com badge. Yeah, which, but it was also used in DS Nine, right? Yeah, it's, it actually first came out in DS Nine, D- oh, okay. DS Nine Season Three. 
the search part one, right? Um, when they first go into the the gamma quadrant, and oh meet, yeah, uh, meet the Dominion. I think uh, so. But yeah, that's the first time that ever appears on screen because they they made that com badge for Star Trek Generations. They didn't like the TNG ones on. They didn't think it would look good on mm-hmm. uh, on movie screens, so they came up with this new com badge. But in the fandom, it's often referred to as the Voyager com badge because it was on all seven seasons of that show. Uh, Joel was asking if the if the uh, if Voyager was parked where the Bird of Prey was, and I don't believe so. I think that's Golden Gate Park, which is on the other side of the. Assuming this is by Starfleet Academy, this is on the other side of the bay. It's like the Academy is on one side and the HQ is on the other side. Yeah, but something I, like I that. It depends on what. Yeah, it it yeah. sometimes it seems like it moves. I and mean, they, they that move building around. that they had at Starfleet Academy, like sometimes has this giant like three story thing connected to it that looks like the 1964 World's Fair because Doug Drexler created it, uh, and then. You know, two years later, it's not there, and it's just like it's it's a, this it, always morphing. Like, and if you look at the the aerial views from any of the new ones from Picard or Discovery, it's constantly changing. I love that that uh, Tilly in one of the episodes, like this tree's been here for nine hundred years. I'm like, no, yeah. it hasn't actually. No, it hasn't. <laughs> it's we've never seen it before. Yeah, there was it's, water uh, it's here. Aggravating. Yeah, it's like y'all couldn't have just like put that anywhere like else <laughs> like. Y'all couldn't have like, gone out like like just two hundred yards in any direction and like just put, say that's where the tree is, you know what? Whatever. They put it into molecular storage while they rebuilt areas or something like that, and then they like in a transporter. Oh yeah, they, they put, they put it in the quantum archive that yeah, Picard had in Picard season one. That must is okay. That, is that like the quantum realm from Ant Man? <laughs> um, I mean, it's probably not as bizarre but yeah i guess you just uh i i guess you could kind of think of that as like a microscopic universe where you can store stuff a pocket maybe. universe yeah yeah um i think it's just kind of like stored like is this like the, it's just like a transporter buffer is kind of how i always thought mm-hmm. of it but that makes sense uh we have the promotion ceremony uh, which happens over california which is kind of cool they're, they're in orbit around and like california's down there oh yeah maybe they're like geosynchronous with with uh starfleet hq or something yeah they could be but I like I like Boimler like being all excited when he got his pip like pointing to it on his collar, which is like kids when they graduate and they point at their hat or the d- degree yeah. or whatever. Talen having the total opposite reaction like she was just zero f's given when she, she got says, her like, unexpected rank but, up. but appreciated or something like that. And Tindy really wasn't expecting hers. You know she's she's been on the ship shorter than yeah most of the most of the people we we know like she like the first episode was literally, literally like her arriving and we know that at that point boimler and mariner had already been serving together for a year so okay took them yeah like i didn't know exactly how long they've been there rank up to lieutenant um and then mariner's reaction where she even like tries to like give the pit back and ransom just being like no we're not going to do that i'm not playing your game but Boimler reminding Mariner and also like the audience at home, like, okay, we just like barely ranked up. We're still we're still junior officers. We're still lower decks. It's still like the same concept of the show. Like, don't worry. Like, we're just slightly not as low as we were. Yeah, yesterday I was like in the chat room. I said it's like they're they're lower, but not the lowest decks. So it's just like they're still they're still down there. Hopefully, a Delta shift is is uh, the lowest at this point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're gonna see like uh, other other people move up. Like, are we gonna see like the Delta shift people get promoted, or what about like like the red shirts, like Castro and Taylor and and those types? Like, are we gonna see them rank up? Yeah. But I was very happy to see this. I said on on the show at some point over the years, like there's no reason why they couldn't all just get promoted to Lieutenant junior grade and just yeah. the show continue the same, same premise, same everything. And they're just one rank slightly higher. And that finally happened. So I didn't, I didn't know if it ever would glad to see that it happened. 
we were pretty worried, at least when Jesse and I were talking about it, you know, early on, it's like, let's hope that this doesn't become static where it's just like the yeah. status quo resets every, cause it kind of reset in season two. And it looked, it was like a little bit worrisome. And like, oh, you're just going to get the same stuff over and over again. But it, it resets hard in season two. And like yeah. the, and that was, the, that was the thing is like, Mike was saying like, oh, Boimler's not going to come straight back to the Cerritos in season two. He's going to stay on the Titan for a little bit. And it's like, okay, well he stays on the Titan for like one episode. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Still, like, they, the, the show was, I think, still trying to figure out, I mean, like, at that point, like, they didn't even know, like, okay, we're doing two seasons, are we ever going to get to do more? Like, you know, I, th- I think yeah, now they have true. a better idea of where they're, yeah. where they're, t- and, and Mike even kind of talks, like, he, it sounds like he might even have, like, a plan, you know, he talks about, like, yeah, I kind of want to do, like, I think seven seasons is a good number, and it's like, um, I feel like he's he's got things, like, a little mapped out now, so. Um, we don't know how long the show is going to run. I mean, we know we have like season five coming next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know how much of that is, you know, where they, where they are in production of that. And that's, you know, kind of a weird, uh, weird situation, but, uh, shouldn't, shouldn't be affected too much. Just, you know, I don't, I don't know if like other, if like the strikes are going to be over, if like actors are going to be busy on like other projects or what, like it's yeah. possible, you know, there's like delays and shifts in season five, but more than likely we'll get season five around this time of year next year. Uh, what happens after that? We like no one, no one knows. But it sounds like there's a lot of faith in lower decks. You know, they, they, they. To be fair, like Paramount is like that is one product they are like trying to push. Oh yeah, trying I mean, to really this, get it out there. You know, I'm showing it no- in theaters right now. They're right. showing these episodes. I say, you know, as, as annoyed as I am about like it's the 50th anniversary of the animated series, so we'll show a lot of lower decks. It's like it does make sense, and it's sort of like you know, it's it's a it's showcasing modern animation. You know, if you're an old school Star Trek fan. I know the reaction to this show sometimes is negative, being that, you know, they talk too fast. The stuff that they actually mentioned in the uh, Lower Decks cross or the Lower Decks Strange (laughs) New Worlds crossover, hopefully, you know, kind of bridging the gap a little bit like, oh, maybe I'll give it a second chance or something like that. So and it seems like new people coming into the franchise really enjoy it. Yeah, which it, is it, weird because like for me, it's like, weird how do you enjoy too. this? Like, right, how do you know, what understand thought. what's like, going on at all? <laughs> I was like, oh, this is like the most like insidery Star Trek show at all. But it turns out it has like a lot of appeal. Like people watch it. And they're like, oh, my God, there's like Cetacean Ops is a thing. Like, how can I learn more about that? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like they, they like everyone on the Enterprise got like drunk off of this virus and we're like trying to like have like an orgy or something. I mean, that's not exactly what happened in the naked time. But, you know, like, <laughs> like it's it strikes up a bunch of like curiosity. Like, you know, it's people San Francisco in the middle of a riot. <laughs> like if, if you've never watched Voyager, you're like, wow, they have like the ship got like infected with cheese and there's like yeah. these giant <laughs> viruses flying around. That's and true. If you have so- never saw Voyager, I don't know what your opinion would be of it based on this. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear from those people and be like, d- d- does that make you want to watch more Voyager? That's true. I didn't even think about that. It might because it's like, oh, this is so weird. I want to see this. You know, the uh, the episode ends with just reminding us like it's still lower decks. We're still going to chant lower yep. decks at the end of episodes. Oh, we did mention did mention Boimler's rooms. He kept getting put into. Well, that's in the next episode. Oh, so, oh sorry. You're right. I think my brain's like, it's 615. We're done. You know? <laughs> <We're wrapping up. laughs> We're halfway done. Yeah. Uh, we get we get instead uh, end with uh, returning to the Klingon ship, the Cheetah. And we we catch up with Grek and Kalor. I believe they're the names of these two Klingon lower deckers that are uh, arguing over, you know, like sharpening your spear next to my bunk when I'm trying to sleep and stuff like and that. Spear's but... a coward's weapon, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a very like Klingon conversation. Uh, yeah. But then we we come across the the mysterious threat that 
we can blame Rutherford when he's like, and no mysterious threats. Like whenever you say that, you know, that's something not to say if you're in a TV show. Well, it's like this, last year and they said, like, no, I hate cliffhangers or whatever. And then we got the the Klingon, the <laughs> scene, uh, Peanut Amber and Magamus, I guess. No, we didn't know. No, it was just a beam, a green beam. Uh, yeah, the, the green beam was like that post credit tease and, yeah. at the end of season three. But yeah, that, that was uh, that was badgy that we don't know. We don't really know exactly what's going on with this like mysterious little ship thing, but like the teasers have shown it off. The next episode shows it do basically the same thing, but with a Romulan ship instead of a Klingon ship. What's interesting is like the way the beam sweeps through, and a couple other people have said this too. Is like maybe they're not dead; they're like being like almost digitized or stuck yeah. into it, some sort of buffer or something like that. I don't know. That, but the that ships seems, are destroyed. Yeah, it seems weird to me that like it would it would destroy the ships then. And, yeah, and keep the. I think it's actually killing them. I think it's blowing them up. But I don't know why. But uh, but yeah, I was sad. To, I liked the the, the Klingon Boimler, you know, based like Wage Douge gave us Vulcan Mariner with Talen, and then it gave us Klingon Boimler with Ma'a. But you know, like yeah. the, the little guy who uh, his heart was in the right place, and he was able to you know work his way up the ranks and ascend to captainhood. And like whoever whoever is like the one life form in this uh, ship that uh, I don't maybe it's maybe it's evil Boimler transporter clone Boimler. We know he's working with Section Thirty One now, so possible. We, I, I don't, I don't know who. Like, I don't think Badgie would be detectable as a life form. I don't know, I don't know who is in that, but I'm mad at them if if they murdered uh, this Klingon dude I really liked from season two. But I think that's, I think that's, you know, good storytelling should make you, you know, feel anger at, at bad guys so that you're happy <laughs> when they're defeated. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Totally. But yeah, I don't know if you have anything else on. Uh, no, on I Tuvix. think Vix. It feels like there's. We, I think we've covered everything. Of the the Gornegg section of the show oh, yeah. where we go over the the Easter eggs in jokes and continuity connections, but I was going to save that to the end and Just do, do them all, all the, at the same time. The Tuvix ones and the yeah, I have no bones yet. I must flee. Gornegg's at the same time because we got that yes. episode to talk about as well. So. Why don't, uh, just to go into that one, I will, uh, again, recap it by reading the official synopsis, and I'll kind of expand on that with spoilers. But the uh, official synopsis reads, Mariner tries to get demoted, Rutherford tries to get promoted, and Boimler makes a big move. Um, and, uh, yes, we have Mariner tries to, uh, get demoted by being the biggest asshole possible to Ransom on a mission, <laughs> and actually at some point has, uh, has concerned Ransom that you might have unlocked a, a deadly monster from its uh captivity um but uh they're able to, to put their differences aside and work together and uh, resolve that situation and while that's going on uh rutherford uh gets promoted or tries to get promoted so he can move out of the hallway with all of his friends and eventually <laughs> he does and him and boimler become roommates so um I guess I'll, I'll start like the opening statements to kind of say like my broad feelings on on this one, and then I'll, I'll ask uh, you, Aaron, how you how you feel about it. But okay, I didn't. It's it's kind of unfair to compare these episodes because Lower Decks is kind of a, it's a more episodic show, kind of you know that Strange New Worlds type thing, and these episodes do kind of deserve their to stand alone as you know their individual stories. Uh, but I I didn't like this one quite as much. I'm still I'm really curious about what they're doing with the the slow burn reveal of the mystery ship, the, the mysterious threat. I kind of mm. like, we're just going to see like a little bit of that every week, but it's not going to like totally take over the story. They can still do these standalone stories. So like the last so, two episodes or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm happy to see that as like a slow burn. I like that they're adding like these people that have a lower rank than our character. We're getting like Ensign Livick and Ensign mm-hmm. Gary. And like, I'm kind of hoping that they'll become recurring characters. So we are seeing some change. We are seeing some growth. Uh, the status quo shifted. So that's good to see. 
there and like like the the last episode though like i they're both these episodes had me really concerned about like a joke like are they just gonna make like so many jokes about janeway murdered this guy like is that just gonna be like the only yeah, they're just they're just gonna like keep making the same joke like over and over again the whole episode i was relieved when that did not happen and here i was like you're telling me that like there's no way to stop this blinding light from your warp nacelles from like yeah. blinding you in your quarters. Like that's kind of dumb. This is a, this is like an old joke from like, this is a Star Trek shit posting meme. Yeah. Like certain ships, it's like certain des- designs, like your window is right next to like a, a glowing bizarre collector or something, or like the glowing deflector dish. But I was like, okay. The same that- is with the room in the middle of the holodeck and the room with no soundproofing and stuff like that's none of that's realist. That's not, this is where it like doesn't feel like this is what I would, would be worried about when it first came out before I'd seen it. Those kind of jokes consistently because yeah. it's just like you play within the universe and make that funny. Don't create some, you know, sitcom type trope thing and use that. But they, they did, there wouldn't they be a room in between two holidays either. That was just dumb. <laughs> I got to assume that Boimler also like didn't know how to turn the soundproofing switch on also oh maybe maybe they're like uh the noise canceling headphones and you didn't have it on uh the uh right setting yeah something like that but yeah i, I felt better by by the end of the episode so um it just it just kind of like moopsy being like this cute little thing just rolling Oopsie. around slowly but it's like it's also supposed to be like this really like sinister threat it's like i kind of just saw that with like that chubby salamander waddling down the corridor yeah and then like oh this guy running the menagerie he's a lot like the guy running the museum ship and he's just, there's like a lot of like overlap like that, which I thought was like a little unfortunate. But but overall, so I had like a really good time with this one which as well. Which is kind of the opposite of Strange New Worlds, where it was like literally every episode felt like a whole almost a different season or a series, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Which I kind of feels... I I get how that's jarring, but I kind of liked that. So it's like oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm just like... saying it, it, jarring or not. I'm just saying that the pacing, yeah. it, it's sort of the opposite of that because like oh yeah, there's a lot of echoes of the last episode. Yeah, but I, what did you think of? Uh, I have no bones yet. I must flee. I like the stuff with Ransom and Mariner because it's like mm-hmm. really good, you know, basically therapy for her. It's like she's sort of learning more about herself. And and Jack is actually like, oh, he's actually a good officer. He's not just like a meathead, um, which is great. Uh, the other stuff is like, yeah, it's just kind of like it. It feels like a very kind of standard. I don't want to say it's standard Star Trek thing, but it's like they they almost made a joke about it. Like, oh, you know, this happens all the time or whatever. It's like. To the point where it's like, yeah, why are we doing this in this show? I did like that the uh, humans had the clothes that Dr. Pulaski or the the episode of Dr. Pulaski was in where the aged children or whatever they were, the genetically altered, had the same yeah. jumpsuits. We're, the, the episode that forgot the uh, eugenics wars was a thing and that yeah. genetic augmentations illegal. I was say, I think we said before, it's like if I was going to show two episodes, I don't know if that would make that the second episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just is. It, it's hard for it to live up to the last one. Uh, however... I agree with you that the Mariner and Ransom stuff's uh, really great. Oh, and that's and we get to see the uh, prototype Romulan ship that uh, was Probert had drawn yeah. um, back before, I think it's when TNG started or when they were, I don't know exactly when, but there's a Romulan ship that's very vertical as opposed to horizontal. Yeah, we, we first see the D-Deridex in that, uh, it was the season one. Oh, Neutral Zone. Finale was, uh, yeah. Or, or which one was last, Conspiracy or Neutral Zone? I think Neutral Zone No, it was zone Neutral was Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was probably like designed around around that, which that wasn't the original plan was not to bring in the Romulans at the end of season one. That was something they decided, like, I think after the show had started airing, at least after they started shooting, because that was kind of a oh. that was kind of a 
last minute, like, oh my god, I don't think our Ferengi are gonna be the new Klingons. We're gonna we just need to bring back the Romulans. Let's bring back the Romulans, and then we can we'll figure out like a new big bad in season two with maybe these conspiracy bugs. They ended up like morphing into like the Borg is like their new big bad. But yeah, they're like in the meantime, let's just get some Romulans up in here. So they did. But yeah, the uh, Romulans in this episode don't don't fare very well, um, it, it, as we see at the opening. But yeah, we it, it is it was kind of a fun connection. Like we end that episode with seeing like some Klingon lower deckers get called mm-hmm. up to the bridge for like some emergency and then die. Here we do the same thing with like some Romulan lower deckers. I just love. Oh, we're like the lowest ranking officers on a Romulan ship. What do they talk? What do they have to do? And they're like, oh, they're they're cleaning up Reman torture. They're literally throwing like Reman body parts into a body bag and and talking about how like oh I'm gonna betray Sub Commander Vrek and like no I'm gonna betray Sub Commander Vrek. So it's like yeah that is Romulan lower decks. Yeah, but this also plays into that a little too over the top too too jokey. That doesn't that lower decks seems to avoid most of the time. I don't know, because it's like, no, I'm going to, like, if it's supposed to be canonical, it's just really weird. I mean, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I just, I just found that it's those little pieces of the episodes are like, okay, you know, the, the holodeck thing, the, the, you know, just, I don't know, little bits and pieces. I'm like, it felt like it was slipping a little bit into goofy, like cartoon tropes. Yeah, I guess I guess Romulans that are plotting to kill superior officers probably shouldn't advertise that to one another. Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to think of the episode that Deanna Troy, the um, not uh, Face of the Enemy, where Face Troy the becomes a Romulan. Yeah, and I think that's a really probably a good, I you know, indication of how being on that ship is. It's like there's a lot of suspicion. So I mean, it's just taking that and ratcheting it up. But it's like they don't need to do that. They've proven that they don't have to make it insane, funny, yes, but not like dumb. <laughs> Uh, but the similar the similar attack, it's almost like the exact same animation. The thing just kind of shows mm-hmm. up in front of the ship. And somehow it was able to detect them when they were cloaked because it, it knew mm-hmm. where they were going to uncloak. And they were surprised. Like, how did they even know we would be over here? So uh, it, maybe it's part of V'ger. <laughs> the the beam that it uses, like it, like it shuts down like all your systems. So you yeah. like you lose your weapons, you lose your defenses and you just get blown up. Or it's related to the whale here. probe, which did the same thing. Yeah, it, it could be people. The well yeah, maybe there is a well probe connection. Could be. Whale bad. Guys. That technology is out there. <laughs> They're destroying like all the people who try well, no, they would it would only go after humans then at that point. Never mind. But that's all we get of like the mysterious threat. So we'll just have to uh we'll just have to wait until we know more. But I don't do you have any any theories on that? I think like the the only thing I can figure out is is maybe section thirty one Boimler or maybe maybe Badgie, but I don't think he'd be detectable as a life form. Did they detect life forms? Yeah, these Romulans say that there's one life form on board. Oh, okay. So uh, someone's in there. Someone's in that ship. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I'll have to cogitate on that. But it's just like there's there's too many little pieces right now that could be. You know, Mike and crew is really good about rearranging things in unexpected ways. Like, oh yeah, these are all the pieces that I thought about, but how they came together is like bizarre. You know, whatever and, and perfect. They also changed the trailers to hide things from us, so we can't. Yes, even, like... did we? Did we mention that already? No, but like all the trailers, like they removed, they removed rank pips from the characters and a lot of, a lot of shots. Like go back and watch the trailers now. And like there's episodes we haven't seen yet where they're still walking around as ensigns and it's just, they get demoted. No, <laughs> well, there's also episodes, there's scenes, there's scenes that we we've seen within these episodes where they have the rank pips that in the trailer, they don't. So yeah, there is some manipulation no, in the kidding. trailer. Which I'm I'm all for. I I I am fine with uh with storytellers lie to me 
so that your stories surprise me. Yes. I am a-okay with that. Uh, Ms. Powell family in the um, chat had a good point. Like, peanut amper is a life form, right? Because, well, not a biological life form. Yeah. Like, I don't think data would be detectable as a life form, and neither would peanut hamper. They would just show up as uh, machines Probably, on yeah. scans. But I think peanut hamper should have the legal rights of a life form. <laughs> But I think she's also like a criminal who needs rehabilitation. <laughs> and then she can be thrown in jail. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, it's it's the Federation. So she'd be in rehabilitation and then she'd become a, a good functional member of society. She's a spoiled Ideally. kid like who's like is just annoyed. Like, I just I don't know. There's you feel like it's one of those kids that you see behaving badly on TikTok or something. Or <laughs> It's like my dad said I could do this. I'm like, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, she joined Starfleet to piss off her dad. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the bizarre workout scene. Yeah, we get some some interesting wardrobe choices. To be fair, like these were ridiculous oh, uh, yeah. wardrobe choices in TNG, so it's even more ridiculous now. Uh, but uh, very they much made in men wear it, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of insane that you asked uh, those two women to wear that for no particular reason. Just like I don't, for I think people who don't know, to... it's like it's the episode where Troy and uh, Doctor Crusher are working out, and they have these very like tight body type suit things of i don't know they're they're and they're bending and, and working out on the ground or like doing yoga type stuff yeah they're like they're stretching but it's but, um, yeah but it's very it's, suggestive stretching yeah it's it's weird yeah. uh it's uncomfortable Mar <laughs> mariner overhears this uh this plot or this plan or whatever so you get like another one of those kind of lower decks kind of misunderstanding type mm -hmm. plots which they've they've done before a few times so but yeah mariner basically she's under the impression that ransom is going to humiliate her and demote her but he's actually t telling shacks like oh like i have a lot of faith in her i'm not gonna let her quit i'm not gonna let her get herself demoted it is more like shacks being buddy buddy with his crew though like uh you know he's he, it turns out he's doing the right thing for mariner and you know here he seems to be like a good friend to shacks he's like oh what, what has he so tense bud and he's like listening to shacks talk about like his like yeah. relationship issues with dr tiana so but I, how, how do you feel about them like reusing that kind of oh it's just, like two characters with like a misunderstanding type thing yeah, I I don't have t as much a problem with the of that with and then they did one of those like I don't know what you're up to, but I like it, you know, where they just they change their tune or whatever, like because that happened like nine hundred right. times in season two or three, I think it was two, but it was just like oh if I never see that again I'll be happy. Uh, but yeah. this this doesn't really bug me as much because I I feel like under misunderstandings happen a lot in Star Trek too, not exactly like that, but. Well, it kind of ties into like their their story arcs or their character arcs, because by the end of it, yeah. the Mariner and Ransom relationship is in a better place. Yeah. And it makes up more sense than like Magato Gamato when they're like, oh, mm -hmm. what if like Mariner is like a, an evil spy right. from Black Ops who's going to murder us in our sleep? And I think if, if uh, Ransom's comment was a little less like... If I overheard that, I would think that he was like plotting something against her too. Like if it was something a little bit more innocuous that she misinterpreted, I think that would be more interesting. It's like, how did you get that from this? You know, that the like, yes, I said that because of X, Y, Z. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Like if you, whenever you hear someone say something like, oh well, uh, they're not going to be my problem much longer. Yeah, <laughs> like it does sound a bit sinister. How? Yeah. Well, how do you interpret that otherwise? <laughs> Did you think it was sad when they like leave their, their yeah, hallway? Yeah, a little bit. I wasn't I was expecting kinda, that. Yeah, but they kind of like, they oh, make a deal about it when because it's it's a down. cool space and it was new. You know, we didn't really ever see this before. It yeah. was very weird when we first saw it. I'm like they're in a hallway. Like they have yeah, a giant ship. 
I didn't like it at first, but it grew on me. And I think it, it, I think part of it is also just, it's not like, oh, we don't have the space. It's that you're, it's a kind of a camaraderie and, and just getting people to grow together as a crew, as opposed to just instantly putting everybody in their own room. Yeah, you got to like go through boot camp and you Basically, get like the yeah. quitters to quit and then the people that yeah. are dedicated or dedicated and there you go. But uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to be kind of sad. Like I, I thought the hallway was weird at first. At some point it must have grown on me. But uh, I, li- I like that they, they are moving on up in the world. Um, yeah. I, I, th- I think the joke is funny. You know, if you watch this a second time when Rutherford is like, oh, I'll just go get myself promoted today. And, you know, Boiler being like, wow, I wish I had that confidence. But, <laughs> you know, he knows he's like, man, I've turned down so many promotions. I, c- I can get one today. Like, no big deal. So. Uh, I, I like that. I yeah. like he never like humble bragged, but like he's never telling his friends like, hey, I got I offered a promotion, but I turned it down. But just so you know, you know, like, right. how many times has this happened? It, but it does acknowledge like, oh, yeah, he has like saved. I mean, they've all saved the ship multiple times, but Brotherford but really has like saved really, the day a, a lot yeah. with like some. He's almost like how Wesley Crusher would like always save the day. And I'm like, why is this 14 year old like <laughs> the smartest dude on the ship? You know, but well, also with him, it's like it's it's something that's verifiable and like. As opposed to like, you know, a I did an action that led to this that saved the ship. It's to, you know, this is like he literally took this panel off and did this thing. So there's a, there, there's a kind of one to one action. Oh, I also like that when they're they're talking about like all the good times that they had living in this hallway. <laughs> yeah, they they, they, they mentioned the uh, they mentioned the cosmic ray body swap that we we never saw. But like, I don't know, like if this was any other Star Trek show, I'd be like, is that going to be a novel someday? Because they, they don't do Star Trek Lower Decks novels. They do comic books, but. There's somewhere in Voyager, and I can't remember exactly what it was, where it's like, wait, what? Huh? I was like, oh, okay. That did, I don't remember that happening. I think it's when Janeway was traveling through time, back through the ship or something like that, or the, the ship was fragmented into pieces. Oh, uh, yeah, it was Chakotay who was the time. Um, it was called like Splinter oh. or Fracture or something like that. Oh, yeah, because he was like, oh, or about that time that this and this happened. And she's like, wow, this sounds like it's going to be a horrible trip. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was the telepathic pitcher plant. That might have been, but that kind of happened. Anyway, but there was that, actually an fun. idea to do a. There was an idea for a body swap episode on Voyager. I think uh, Ethan H. Cock, who sold two episodes to DS Nine, I think pitched a story to Voyager where he was going to have like every yeah everyone's like swapped in like different people's bodies. Maybe they'll use this. This is like a little seed for something later where they'll have to know something about each other, and they're like, "Oh, I remember when I was part of you, or when we swapped bodies. I remember this, or whatever. I don't know." It's like we learned a lot. Oh, I guess it, that, they're not swapping their memories, though. Never mind. It could be a fun flashback, though. <laughs> yeah. Or I'd like to see it in like a comic book or something. That too. Well, I, yeah. th- I think you could do a Lower Decks novel. Prop. It's it's weird that like every Star Trek show has like novel tie-ins except for Lower Decks. This Prodigy? Yeah. Oh, they did. They do, made yeah. like they made like kid. Yeah. Like young reader books. You could do. I mean, they had they had those uh, in the TNG time. They had like parodies of. Star Trek was pretty funny. Well, it was funny for me at the time. I'm sure, like, if I read it now, I'd be like, wow, this humor is kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> but I think there is a way that you could actually put this into a book. Well, let's talk about, like, the the mission to the menagerie, or the menage, as uh, <laughs> Mariner enjoys calling it. Uh, but, yeah, she's basically going to try to, like, be, like, the shittiest officer possible. So, like, she shows up, up in her 70s workout clothes. <laughs> yeah, she shows up for work in her in her workout gear, just just trying to piss off Ransom. And uh, what do you think of, like, this new character, Ensign Gary? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he he might be one of those, the background characters that can comment on things. <laughs> like, maybe we'll see him again. I don't know. Maybe we won't ever see him again either. But 
he's kind of like Lund- Lundy in a way, you know, it's like we see him occasionally. I just like him being he's kind of like in over his head. He's like, oh, yeah. my God, I wasn't I thought this was gonna be a normal day. I don't know why this Mariner lady is acting so weird or so strange. I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm completely Are you two breaking like, up. <laughs> yeah, like I'm having a hard time decoding the dynamic here, like all that stuff. I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. And we've all been in that situation, too, where it's like, what is going on? And why am I even here? Yeah, I like I was saying earlier, like I like that there's like these there's people that that they outrank now, like Gary, like Livick. Yeah, I guess we haven't gotten to Livick yet, but um, well, he wouldn't at the time. They didn't either. He didn't until the very end. And the flying into the, the menagerie, just like cargo thing, just slamming the, the shuttle in. It's like, that was a great landing. She's like, what? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just Mariners, Mariner just being like, oh, is that? Uh, nice and smooth enough for you, Commander Ransom. And just yeah, look at the screenshot it. too, where it's like she's just completely nonplussed. As you can see, Ran- Ransom is—he's trying to hold it in. He's just yeah. like, "Yep, Ensign, you're doing great. That was awesome." Just like I'm not gonna let you get under my skin, which you know, like that's hard because like she's really good at getting under his skin. But they—they they have yeah. a cool—they uh, have a cool relationship. Uh, I've—I've yeah. I've been saying for a long time I'd like to see it go into romance. I think that'd be interesting, but I don't know if that'll happen. They kind of had but... that like that little glimpse of that in the episode and season one yeah she's the, like mm, so ethical <laughs> the, the third episode of the show established yeah. that they're they're attracted to each other and but they're always kind of like either ransom feels like he's stuck with mariner or mariner feels like she's stuck with ransom you know yeah. it's, it's always kind of like a back and forth with the two of them but yeah like we we go here and it is like i was saying like it's so similar to the last episode it's like oh we go to like this kind of like cool unique location that's going to be full of easter eggs for it all the season star trek audience members and yes it's ran by like this really weird neurotic guy who's just like obsessed with keeping mm-hmm. it all perfect yeah very similar in that respect there a lot of the creatures seem to be like new new creations so they yeah. they were kind of like adding adding a lot but there there I was kind of hoping that there would have been some of the there's been a couple times in the animated series where they've had weird like collections of animals that are just sort of there and they never talk about them. So yeah. like, it'd be cool to bring like one or two of those back into, into this, but they didn't. Maybe. Eye of the Beholder has, yeah. has some interesting ones. And then uh, how sharper than a serpent's tooth. The Eye of the Beholder, Vol- uh, Spock is like, I find myself strangely attracted to them. I'm like, <laughs> what's that? A uh, electrical cat from how sharper than a serpent's tooth. That is a Capellan power cat. Yeah, they should have had a Capellan power cat in this menage. I would have liked that. But instead we get Mootsie. Like, <laughs> they they do kind of tease, you know, they, they show like Mariner is pissed with Ransom and she's staring at the Mootsie and we don't know who lets it out at first. So they, they do kind of set up like to the audience. Like, I don't For know. For a second, I thought it Mariner. was her. that, And then she was just like, I didn't know he was in the evil, you know, blah, 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 blah. And like, but yeah. They play fair, though, with the upside down umbrella in the in the human cage. Yeah. There's two very quick shots of that. Oh, it is upside down, isn't it? Already, but yeah. They they show it to us. Uh, oh, that's it, funny. Early in the episode, we see, but yeah, yeah, like it's quick. It's not on screen very long. So uh, wow. unless you know to look Good for eyes. it, you're probably not going to notice it. But yeah, yeah, it was the, it was the humans all along, and then it is funny. Like when the the Moopsie is out, Narge just like his his reaction of just like, oh my god, the Moopsie is out. It's the most deadly thing here possible. But I just, I kind of wish that the trailer hadn't shown this, because, like, we all knew it was yeah. coming. But, like, that okay, it's going to go in there. It's going to eat the swamp gobblers. It's going to drink their bones. But, but it, it would have been uh, more surprising if we actually saw that for the first yeah. time. 
It's still funny, though, just, like, their reaction, like, oh, my God, that is terrible. That looks like, like one of the worst ways to die. Uh, I want to put as much distance between me and that thing as possible. Definitely. But I guess, like, the, the, the meat of the episode for me was, like, yeah, the, the character stuff between Ransom and Mariner, just, like, his, his accusations to her about, like, this is all your fault, you're doing this, and then her accusations to him of, like, you know, I overheard you working out with Shax, and I know that you're actually trying to humiliate me, and... They come to an understanding, and what I love there is that, like, Ransom believes her when she's like, no, yeah. I didn't let the moopsie out, and he's, you know, it's the opposite of what happened at the end of season three, when yeah. everyone's like, yeah, Mariner, you're terrible, get, get the hell off the ship. A little bit of a, a redemption for her in that sense. Yeah. Well, she didn't have anything to redeem herself from, honestly. But <laughs> right. That's, that is cool. Like, season three, the end of season three, it, it shows, like, how much Mariner has grown to uh, love and respect the, the crew of the Cerritos. Yeah. And care about other people. And like even her, her mom, who she has this complex relationship with. And so, yeah, I'm happy to see like that that sticks and then other people are c- going to kind of, you know, reciprocate and show that same kind of uh, concern and respect back to Mariner. And actually have a, a commanding officer that uh, believes you when you say like, no, I didn't do that thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the the big death I was talking about earlier comes when when the Moopsie, which to me is like it feels like such a Pokemon. Like that's like every Pokemon. Like it, it like says like their name. Like the only thing Pikachu can say is like Pikachu. <laughs> it also sort of looks at like the Adipose from uh, Doctor Who. Yes, a which also creature. cute. Um, yes, and uh, I guess kind of a uh, kind of evil. Well, if they didn't completely but, like take all of the person and like convert them over, it's like that would have been fine, and people then would be thin, and like it's just that's okay. <laughs> but what, how did you feel about Narge being devoured, having his his bones, his plant bones? He's, he says he's yeah, ossified. I think I'm, yeah, that was more weird than I think him being eaten. Honestly, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. It's like yeah, it, it's probably you don't see this that often in Star Trek. Um, but at the same time, it seems to fit this story. It's like they have it. There has to be some sort of level of, well, oh, this is that bad. I honestly thought they were going to kill off the ensign or the uh, what's his name? Um, oh, ensign Gary. Gary. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's gone. And then it's like that might be why they chose the other. They ch- chose the curator just because it's not uh, not expected. This is only the second time in, in Lower Decks where, like, someone's death has been part of the joke, I think. The uh, the first time was in Season 2 in uh, Gamato, Magato Gamato, yeah. when they have the, the expert, the, the Gamato expert, uh, would, would, who is actually an idiot, the Tellerite <laughs> guy, when he died. Oh, right. Um, but that was kind of, like, of his own doings. Um, like, here, I guess, like, Banana and Pajamas guy, Narge, like, he, he dies as a result of those humans being assholes. I mean, they kind of, yeah, it, it also reinforces that message of like, you know, humans are the most dangerous game, but they, they add some more stakes and danger when the moopsie somehow is like stepping on all the right controls to well, they're like, Oh, we locked them away. They, we're safe. It's like, Oh no, you locked them into the control room. <laughs> yeah. It is a little bit of like worst case scenario. Like how's it keep getting worse and worse? It's kind of like, yeah. And he's not doing it on purpose, and right. they, but it's just happening to stand on the right things to start to decelerate the, the orbital menagerie. It's kind of like when the macro virus turned on the holograms. It's like, um, yes, exactly. I think it just like was bumping around and like hit the computer and, and accidentally like set the holograms safety protocols to random. <laughs> random. <laughs> but it was another one of those similarities that I couldn't help but notice watching these two things back to back and then having to break both of them down the same day like this. Just... As Joel, Moopsie butt dialed death like Murph. 
Yes. Uh, and the macro virus. So there's yeah. a lot of a lot of deadly butt dials. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Deadly butt dials. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good that, yeah, that can be a lower decks episode. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think of like the the tooth solution? That uh, I mean, I get it, but it's just like yeah, I don't want to watch this. I have I've had a, I had some dental surgery, not dental surgery, like dental stuff earlier this year, and it's like I don't even want to brush my teeth sometimes because I don't want to think about my mouth, which is I need to do that. Um, but uh, it, can, it can be a little gross. Tooth yeah. stuff can be a little, and you know that's this is make your I think I mentioned this to somebody maybe on the show earlier uh, in the season that sometimes lower decks is sort of like that gross friend that you are you a friend that you have that like does this one thing and you're like ugh, and you just have to kind of ignore them like you're still their friend but it's just like oh gosh i wish you wouldn't do that and that's kind of this like they have like a gross part of something you're like mm. oh that's really not like, necessary but you're really right. cool but like yeah you need to like cover your mouth when you sneeze or you're like, something yeah like that. something, like, something like that's a good <laughs> but yeah so it's like it's interesting but gross <laughs> It made me think of, like, uh, for some reason, when I was in high school, my mom bought this, like, massive hog at the state fair, just because, like, I, she just thought it was a cute animal, I guess. But, like, she would always, like, escape from her pen. Oh, so it was alive. Would... I'm thinking, imagining, like, just a big ham hock kind of thing. No, like, like she, she, kept her, she, she kept her as, like, a pet. Like, we had her for a few years. Wow. But uh, I, I don't know why she wanted to do that either. It's so weird. Like, I wish <laughs> I could, like, ask my mom, like, what the hell were you thinking? But uh, it, but anyways, like, she would, she would escape a lot. And so, like, I would... Uh, take like a some oreos i would leave like a trail of oreos <laughs> and she would just you know eat the oreos go back into her pen so it, i had flashbacks to uh you know being teenage fathery trying to lure my my hog bridget back into her pen um <laughs> if this was on the cerritos and they had like replicator technology they probably could just replicate like bone type stuff and do the same thing yeah i mean like just go to a food replicator just hey give me mm -hmm. a, a bone in ribeye and just get like a whole yeah. bunch of those and leave a trail or something you know like bones are like if if people are uh you know if you're a vegetarian or vegan and you don't want to hear like eating meat like described then like skip forward like 20 seconds Narrow. you don't want to hear this but like yeah like cooking meat on the bone is is delicious like I, lo I love to cook like pork chops on the bone or like steak on a bone or like i love like hot wings but like i'm like you can't get boneless wings because like you're not getting like all that flavor that you get out of the bone you know you get the bone, in bone broth i mean you make yeah. you know we always save our stuff from thanksgiving and make you know soup and stuff yeah in fact, I, it was I was watching Dimension Twenty, their new uh, play or RPG of uh, Men Mentopolis. I think this was called. And they, this is this guy who just will say random facts that sound vaguely threatening at the same time. It's like, did you know that marrow uh, blood is kept inside the marrow because it's the it keeps it away from uh, the most radiation or something like that? And you're like, why are you telling me this? Like, are you going to break my bones or radiate me or what? But I was like, that's kind of interesting. It's like, yes, Hank. That's right. So I'm I'm curious, like you know, like I wonder why the bone marrow is why that actually tastes good. Like it doesn't seem like there should be a reason for that to to be, exist. Maybe it's because it's like it's nutritious. So yeah. like we evolved to like oh that's like the healthiest part. So that's the part I want to eat. Yeah, that could be. That's why we like sweet stuff. It was like yep. to get us to like eat more fruit, and now it's like no, it's gonna give you diabetes now. Stop. <laughs> yeah, evolution is weird. <laughs> but you know in the in the 24th century humans can still uh they still haven't evolved past their uh ability to to be bad to be evil to be naughty <laughs> to mess because up these, yeah these schemers these humans Ed build really ugly outfits <laughs> yeah i haven't gotten past that either
Yeah, it turns out, uh, as Ransom says to Ensign Gary, uh, humans really are the most dangerous game after all. Or, like, the way he says it is something like, can't talk, but... Um, before we talk about, like, the, the ending of the episode, then let's talk about, like, the uh, the Cerrito stuff with, like, Boimler and Rutherford yeah. in there. Uh, they're less deadly, but still very... Uh, I don't know. They're 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 not having a good time. Neither one of them. They're both they're both dealing with their own obstacles. I think we had this conversation. Like created a headcanon. It's like what? Why does he know Mirror Archer? How would he? Yeah. Do that? <laughs> so the only thing I can think of is that like it, by then it's like declassified. And one of the reasons that you don't get like a uh, a Mirror Universe TNG is that they kind of are more aware of it. Because on Deep Space Nine, when it happened, they were also aware of it, as opposed to like, nobody knowing about it. So I'm just wondering if it's like okay, this is sort of more general knowledge. And so this is declassified from something from control or something, you know, yeah, uh, well, some, something that they had access to. Dr. Bashir knew about the mirror universe when they in the first crossover in, in right. DS9, which I think is the episode is called crossover because he was like, oh, yeah, Kirk had a mission. And like Kira hadn't heard about that because you know, she didn't grow up in the Federation. Well, so, yeah. why, so why would she? But yeah, like it, it was like well known enough that like Bashir had heard about yeah. it. But like, why would anyone know what? Archer was wearing on the NX-01, or when he got to the 1701, like before he was assassinated by uh, Travis Mayweather and Hoshi Sato when they took over the Terran Empire. Because like, if why... you had access to the ter- like the more modern day Terran stuff, like the, it could have kept, come from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what like, I was thinking. Is that something someone... data bank or something that they... Because they travel back and forth pretty willy-nilly on DS9. It's like, it, it seems pretty uh, easy to go back and forth between the, and the mirror like, universe. And change the... a few things on the transporter and beep. Yeah. Yeah. So someone, I think someone was just like, uh, probably a Ferengi, <laughs> was like, hey, we, uh, people like to buy these, uh, you know, toys of famous Starfleet heroes. Like, Here's an alternate whole... version. <laughs> yeah, there's, you haven't seen like all the variants from the mirror universe. We have variants of all these toys now. As real quick Voyager sidetrack is the episode where the time goes really, really fast on the planet, but not any, like the basically civilizations grow very quickly because time passes more quickly on the surface. Yeah. Uh, wink of an eye. Wink of an eye. Thank you. Is it wink of a blink? Of, no, it is wink. Um, blink of an eye is the is the TOS yes. one. Yeah. But the 1930s era, roughly like kind of. Uh, and he's talking about the, the, the skyship figures that he had, which is like, I'm assuming kind of like action figures. He's like, I even yeah. had like the duplicates, which I'm like, is that a mirror universe type of thing? Or like, you know, like, I just thought that was funny. It's like, mm. or was it like another brand like, like knockoff or something? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, they have playmates as well. But anyway, so yes. So that's maybe it's, it's like that a Ferengi kind of thing where it's just like, I'm, I'm more all. curious about like where, like on, I want to ask Mike McMahon. Where this like, room is? Yeah, I want to hold up a, the Eagle Moss model of the Cerritos and like hand it to Mike McMahon and ask him like, please point to where Boimler's quarters are. Uh, I like, I guess it's somewhere on the saucer, but how is he like staring out a window at like that directly at, the, the at cell it at that you angle? You have to be down here. Yeah, is there so like are a there... room on the, on the like the their their cell? hallway was down there. Their hallway was in like the secondary hole when they were living in the ho- in the hallway. So maybe, it is? yeah, maybe they're still. Oh, yeah, like. So maybe he still has quarters down there, but I, I just but assumed you, he'd be up in the saucer somewhere. Well, it, to get that view, you have to be like, there's no room that actually <laughs> looks over that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, not, not I, quite sure how that works. I will. That's that's a question we need to ask him. <laughs> Show us on the model where his room is. Maybe, maybe as a good explanation. I don't know. 
But yeah, things I'm aren't going curious. much better for uh, for Rutherford. He's like, I just got to do like the you know slightest little improvement on the ship, and that'll that'll get me my promotion. And it's like everything he tries, like the dude instant Livick has already done it just a little bit better. Think of what this must mean about Starfleet ships. Like if you have like every Starfleet ship has like a bunch of engineers running around being like, how can I make things just like 0.5% more efficient? You know, it's like, yeah, no, no wonder like Starfleet gets so much shit done. Like they're, uh, they're on top of it. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Even when, uh, Rutherford's, uh, or Livick's types of their type of, um, modifications actually just make life worse for Boimler where they're getting like the bizarre collector even brighter. Uh, he's got to bust out the Medusan goggles. Our chief engineer in, in our improv thing was basically doing the same things like 0. 0.00091 or something like that was the increasing the efficiency of the the engines. You know, it's just like that was her her drive for that season was to get that tiny little bit, which is like when this came out and they started doing that. I'm like, oh, OK, we were we're on the right track. I couldn't figure out like they mentioned Peter Pan, but they're also mentioning Robin Hood. So I'm trying to figure out what what was this program? Yeah, Robin Hood gets mentioned more than Peter Pan. So I think that Boimler must have saw like oh, Dr. Tiana the, in the yeah. Robin Hood outfit and maybe thought like Not it could Peter have been Pan. Peter Pan. But like in yeah. the uh, in the holodeck, pro- which, which sounds pretty funny, you hear like Robin Hood's voice. You hear like Dr. Tiana say like something like, you know, like, come here, bitch. I'm Robin Hood now. And then you hear him be like, uh, like. Like, oh no, a, a cat has stolen my my hot and my arrows. And, uh, and just poor Shaxx being like, can we just use the program as intended just one time? <laughs> no. And so you got that uh, weird uh, crime play. That's what they call it in the holodeck. Crime play. Oh. We learned that in uh, Paradoxus. Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus last season. But that's going on on one side of Boimler, and then on the other side, he has uh, Captain Freeman, who loves to scat in front of an audience, and <laughs> living out her fantasy of becoming fe- president uh, of Federation Starfleet. president. Yeah. yeah, and is doing some type of scat performance to, I guess, like the whole Federation. It's sort of like, you know, when they have the, the inaugural poem or something, when the president, is, it's just, it's that, but just scatting. So I like, I liked Boimler's uh, solution of like, I'm just going to live in the yeah. Jeffries tubes at this point. <laughs> It kind of reminds me, like, every kid would love to do that. That's where they'd want to be. It's like, it's like camping. I would love to live in a Jeffrey's tube on a Starfleet ship. It seems like it'd be quiet. <laughs> what do you think part. of like, that, uh, that exchange between Rutherford and Tindy? When, I guess, Rutherford's he's, he's finally going to give up on his endeavors to get a promotion. And then, like, Tindy just, like, ordering him. Like, I'm going to order you that we're going to still be friends. <laughs> I, that feels very Tendy. I don't know. Just especially, especially with Rutherford, because I feel like she has more... Uh, I don't know, give and take between the two of them than with, uh, like, she wouldn't do that to Mariner, most likely. <laughs> you know, with other people, she'd be more, um, you know, rah-rah, trying to be super positive. This is where she's like, okay, I know my friend, and he needs this kick in the butt, basically. It's kind of what it felt like. I am really hoping that they they build up a uh, a romance between the, the two of them, and, like, have them, like, actually get in a relationship this season, because I, I just, as I even more so than I feel about like Mariner and Ransom. Like, I don't even know if I want Mariner and, R- and Ransom to be in a relationship. And then you yeah. have to feel like the whole like workplace power structure, which I know they've done in Star Trek before, but might be something that I don't know. People are more concerned with today than in previous decades in real life. Um, yeah. But I, I don't, do you, do you want to see them just stay friends or do you think it'd be better if they, they actually did like, I get in like a romantic see, relationship. I think it would be interesting to see them try. Doesn't mean it has to work out, yeah. but and then that That's causes its own interesting dilemmas. Like, how do you remain friends? Like, I feel like if they do this and they break up, that's going to be one of the things that the lawyers like. Oh, we can still be friends. Like, you can break up with somebody, and not have to hate them. 
They could just find out that they just they're not compatible for long periods of time together, but they seem to have spent a lot of time together. So I don't know. I feel like they're the couple that you're, you know, you have friends and you're like, these two clearly like each other. They're perfect mm-hmm. for each other, but they don't do anything. And then one day they're like, Oh, we've been married for five years now. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, yeah. I feel like, yeah, they're, the, they're the people who are having a, a relationship, but just don't say anything. So I feel like that could be them. If Mariner's having a relationship, that. everyone in the ship is going to know no matter if they want to or not. <laughs> But I loved the reveal of Rutherford just being like, yeah, I've turned down so many promotions. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the, the time that I, I, I saved the Rubido or from the jellyfish thing or, you know, the <laughs> time that I saved the Cerritos from the Packleds or whatever. And and uh, just just him being like, but I guess, you know, I, I didn't earn anything today, so I'm not going to get promoted. And then Tindy <laughs> just being like, hey, Billups, can Rutherford have a promotion for the time he stripped down the ship and saved everyone? And Billups <laughs> just being like, oh, sorry, Levick, I guess it's not your day today. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, you still can promote two people that's what's sort yeah. of weird but you're like okay I just like yeah, he has like a quota he has like a quota yeah. he can only have like only so many one. lieutenants or something <laughs> uh do you think we'll see more levick yeah i was just gonna ask that i was like do you think he's gonna come back i think it'd be fun in the simpsons the the other guy who had like grimy or <laughs> whatever is a grimes what was his name in the nuclear power plant but always thought that homer was always getting like something that he tried to do i can't remember his, his name it was Grimes or something like that, but it's kind of that sort of sort of thing. I would like to see Gary and Livick both like come uh. back and like talk about like, man, like I really can't stand uh, Tindy or Rutherford, and like, yeah, like, I hate their friend Mariner too. Like, I don't know, maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll have like some insubordinate ensigns that don't like our junior grade lieutenants. That would be interesting. But uh, yes, it's possible. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to uh, just see if who who becomes recurring and who is like a a one shot only type character. It'd be interesting to see Tendi like take her promotion a little bit too seriously <laughs> where she just like tries to then kind of like make everybody fall in line and like you're just a junior grade <laughs> lieutenant like dial it back. Yeah, like a uh, Jill 47's comment in the live chat where she says Tendi's first order ever was to be friends. And like, yeah, that is that is kind That's of a... how Tendi that is. <laughs> yeah. But uh back in the menage everything uh, ends fairly uh Fairly peacefully, I guess we had a, a Who's couple. Who's still swamp. running it? Like the guy got eaten. The he humans must have are some behind staff. He's got like, like, yeah, because I'm like, there. it's still running. People are coming in and looking at him. Like who's who? What? Yeah, we got, like, <laughs> the Antians or An- Antidians, Antidians or whatever, like the the fish dudes and the yep. the belly button people, which are actually in the uh, the current uh, new very short trek. There's an Antidian. I oh think. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when they're talking about frying fish or something, yeah. something, something along those lines. Uh, the the belly button people from season three though like they're uh, they got one of the oh, little yeah. belly button kids is like tapping like it, it would it does seem like it'd be pretty uh pretty obnoxious to be like in in captivity like this so kind of just desserts for the the two especially humans because they're like killed clearly sentient by like like they look just like him except they're not different skin color you know it's just like <laughs> clearly they're not uh, you know animals or monkeys even yeah must must feel kind of de dehumanizing. The, the yeah the irony of being like oh i'm gonna be put on display as like the spectacle as being a human like come look at the human and just that that in and of itself is dehumanizing yeah kind of interesting <laughs> <laughs> but i thought that was like, i don't know like a good sol- i assume eventually they'll have to like you know go to some type of legal process they'll be put on trial or something i don't know who has like jurisdiction over the the menagerie but yeah like okay like the next the next ship that comes through will deal with that i'm, I'm fine with that this part was creepy i don't know why but just like Ran- ah. ransom and sick bay with the with the new teeth yeah it's like teeth, what we're talking about like a little teeth, too teeth big stuffs yeah it's freaky 
I don't like I I people might know it's like I've I've had a heart transplant and I'd rather have a heart stuff than than teeth stuff, which people cannot fathom. But I'm like, no, nope, it's heart stuff. You're also asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I it's not like a recurring nightmare. Like some people have, like their teeth are like breaking or like yeah, so, or like the, I don't know. I never, I never really like have like that. Uh, I, I've never had trouble like going to the dentist or anything. But I've also like I haven't had I had braces as a kid. But beyond no. that, I've never had like any serious like dental work. So it doesn't like bother. But like lately, like sometimes like I don't know teeth stuff lately can kind of freak me out a little bit. I apparently had too many teeth. I actually did end up having a surgery where I was out that they worked on my mouth. That's because I was really young and my heart issue. They just wanted it controlled. So that was interesting. So I didn't actually have to have my wisdom teeth out because they kind of got everything at the same time. Oh, nice. Yeah. You had my wisdom teeth removed, I guess, when I was like 19 or 20. But beyond that, not like much dental work. But the the funny thing in like the scene in Sick Bay between Ransom and Mariner is that Ransom looks so ridiculous with the giant teeth in his mouth, but they play the whole scene very straight where they have yes. this this sincere heart to heart bonding moment where, you know, yeah, we're going to we're going to be working closely together, but I'm going to do everything I can to be like a good supportive boss to you and Mariner just being like, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to be like, you know, a good supportive uh junior officer to you and and you know, they it's it's kind of the first time we've seen the two of them uh like this much like on board this you know, like on the same page you know like their their goals are like really aligned they're like sincerely like on the same side it's not really happened before yeah it'd be interesting to see them team up and like i mean they they have but it's just something more it's like they're the issues that they've had and they're back and forth isn't the plot it's just where they're literally working together and we don't need to know that you know, there there's no friction there's anything, like just something that they're doing together if that makes sense it would be kind of cool. And then the last, the very last scene we get is Boimler and Rutherford. They're going to be roommates. They got like their new quarters. They they still have bunk beds. Uh, and uh, now Boimler has someone who like knows how to uh, dim the the view. Just think if he kept his other, if he knew that, he could have had the the room with the one bed and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he could have like the m- much nicer quarters. If you ask yeah. me, I don't know why they're like, oh yeah, because we're sharing a room, we're going to get better quarters. Like this, that's not how that works. This is normally. not really better. It's yeah. There's also like, why is there just a giant space in the middle of the room? There's no furniture. There's nothing. Just oh. yeah. There's room for like two full size beds in this. Uh, it, like you don't even need like the little bunks. <laughs> yeah, Jill says the like the room is big enough for Mariner and Tendy too. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have everyone live. I mean, all a Delta shift. The all four Delta shifters are in the same room somewhere, right? Because they they won the room lottery. It's like they have their own little ten forward there. <laughs> Yeah, we end on the note of like, oh yeah, uh, Boimler's gonna miss the dent he made bumping his head in his bunk bed. But, oh, he just made like a new dent here. Yeah, so I thought Denty was kind of Denty Badgy, like yeah. uh, I don't know. I like, get some more creative names, y'all. <laughs> don't well, don't name your dent. That's, that's the other thing. But another weird thing. Uh, my mom was a big animal person, so like we always had like a lot of like weird pets, and I grew up around like all kinds of, like weird farm animals and and everything. But at one point, we also we had a pet dove. I don't know why, but we had like a dove that lived in a bird cage, and his name was Dovey Dove. Like sometimes, uh, <laughs> sometimes my mom was, you know, like not not that creative with with the names. But yeah, Dovey Dove. Like I don't know, the hog was named Bridget, but the dove was Dovey. Like having a dog named Spot or something like that. It's just like, wow, you really worked <laughs> on that name, yeah. But um, I don't know. You got anything else on uh, I have no bones yet. I must flee. No, we go to the Gorneggs section. Yeah, so the Gorneggs. There's some stuff in there, but I. Uh, it, this was a good bridge episode between things. I mean, it's just it, it, it would be nice if it wasn't had a little too much of the matchy matchy from the last episode, but it was a good episode. Just, yeah, 
you know. Yeah, if if they weren't released the same day, then yeah, I would, I, like all those complaints I made, I probably wouldn't have made. Yeah, even if it was just a week later, that probably would have made. Yeah. yeah, if you watch them back to back, there's that's really like oh, you know. Yeah, but I'm not too worried about it. Uh, Lower Decks no. is a pretty wide. Ver- and you're you're right, not the same variety that we get in Strange New Worlds, but uh, it, it it definitely has I, a wide. I'm fine range, with that, so. honestly. It's like I like what if you like something, you don't want it to be so radically different from episode yeah. to episode. A little, little bit of a narrow focus. Does uh, yeah. yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, like, and if if you know, Lower Decks is like your favorite Trek, uh, which yeah, I know it is a lot of people's. Then yeah, you definitely, you definitely don't mind it having that like consistent Lower Decks flavor in it. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll just uh, with all that being said, then I guess I'll go into the Gorneg section of the show. So again, these are the the Easter eggs, in jokes, and continuity connections that I, I thought would be fun to point out. Uh, we'll do the uh, Tuvix ones first, and then we'll do the I Have No Bones Yet, I Must Flee. I always stumble when I say the name of that episode. I have to, like, pause <laughs> and think about it. It's like... Uh, I keep trying I to say, always... I have no mouth, mouth, but I must flee, which is the... I feel like it needs, like, another word in front of it. Like, it needs to be, like, although, <laughs> or even though, or huh. because, or, like, something like that. Like It's a parody of a Harlan Ellison title, I think. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll, I'll point it out in a minute. I, I wrote that down as one of the oh, okay. one of the Gorneggs to share. But with uh, with two Vicks, we get our first season four opening credit sequence. They update it every year. Yep. Uh, this year, they they make their their epic battle more epic by adding in a brain ship from season three and also the Star Trek four well probe. Yeah, I feel bad that I had season. to ask you what the brain ship is. Normally, I'm really good. It's a weird design. Though. It's one of the most bizarre designs. And and watching it, it Star feels Trek. like it doesn't actually have any dimensions. It feels like they're just moving one solid picture, like shrinking it as yeah. opposed to it literally flying away. Yeah, it was probably it's probably a. It looks. It's a hard shape to yeah. fit into the Lord X animation style, but it actually is a pretty faithful. Uh, oh yeah, no, it, it does. I, I think that's part is like because they were so faithful, it 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 looks a little awkward. If yeah. they probably could have like changed it to to fit a little better, but I I, I appreciate the uh, the faithful adaptation. In the eighties, I didn't think about it, but now it's like it's a giant sushi roll, <laughs> the whale rope. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, did you Which eat sushi in the 80s dinner. was it like no it was but i was like yeah like, but i was like 18 or 16 or it was like i wasn't eating oh. sushi i didn't live in california yeah. then but yeah that's when it, it that's was the yuppie thing it, that, that would be whatever the trendy new food was that and plates that had like four little things on it that were plated really cool and that was your dinner yeah, i don't think i ever way too expensive i don't think i ever even like saw sushi anywhere until like very late 90s is when like is actually like at restaurants that I guess served sushi, but uh, yeah, I probably might have like just took a while to. We don't we don't have like a ton of like Asian food in Austin. Like I know that's like that's that's like our big like blind spot in like the food scene. It's like we don't have like a ton of Asian food. And we don't have like a lot of like Italian food. Like a lot of like East Coast people are like, where's the Italian food? I of course like I didn't I never ate it growing up. Come to California, actually like I could have eaten sushi every day like because we have like really good places around here and but yeah. and. I ate a sushi place that was like oh, right. three blocks from where I thought it was just kind of yeah. hype, but well, that was not every place is great, yeah. <laughs> but um, there are good but, ones in, in the L.A. area, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, after my heart transplant, I can't have sushi because I can't have raw fish. So, I mean, I can yeah, you told me about and, that. And it's not even the fish. It's like if the rice sits for too long, it collects bacteria which is what they used to actually grow bacteria on was little pieces of rice before there were pectin dishes. So I had to make my own, basically, and it can't be raw fish. So I loved it. What was great about going out is that somebody else made it for you and you didn't have to make it yourself. Mm. But sorry, sushi division d- uh, diversion. Well, there's a ton of Voyager references. Uh, we get the score, the uh, Jerry Goldsmith score that they love dropping in uh, 
in Prodigy, Picard, whatever show, uh, we get the uh, brilliant depiction of the the Voyager ship looks yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Uh, they recreate several sets from from Voyager, all very familiar. We see engineering, we see cargo bay two, we see the mess hall, we see the bridge. Uh, we see a uh, Neelix recreated with a mannequin. <laughs> we see uh, the oh, sick bay it transporter looks very, room. Remember in the the uh, collector's episode, there there was one of his outfits in the corner. I think it was that. Oh yeah, they they had like his hat. I think. Yeah, but it was on the background. But they had. I'm gonna have to go back and check. I didn't realize how similar the uh, Voyager transporter room looks to the Cerritos transporter room until like I saw someone beam from one to the other. They're not exactly identical. Oh, yeah. but they're very similar. They're, like they're they're clearly not carbon copies but just right. like the the blue pattern on like the back wall and, and yeah. kind of the flooring but it makes sense you know voyager an intrepid class ship the California right class ship probably be yeah. built around the same time so but yeah we also saw the uh the shuttle bay and the uh, astrometrics lab oh yeah uh the uh the harry kim mannequin with the uh the mission worn uniform uh when <laughs> when the uh curator grabs that back from Boimler, uh, we get the, uh, I call them Kayshaunisms, but I always like to point these out whenever we get like a, a new Temerian language type saying, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, Unzak when he guided the Florkas to their roost. So, <laughs> whatever that means, but it was relevant to the situation. They're getting this Voyager back safely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get the, uh, the, the Neelix cheese mentioned, that's from the, uh, Voyager episode Learning Curve, where the cheese bacteria. He's just a bay. Yeah, messed up the... Messed up the ship. Um, speaking of Neelix, though, the uh, Tuvix flower, the orchid that merged him with Tuvok, is seen in this episode. And we also see the neural gel packs up close inside of the yep. panels, uh, very uh, faithfully reproduced from how they were depicted on Voyager. Yeah. Basically like a, a bag of like blue gel. With um, like what kind of looks like... Uh like little roots or something like there's like this like neurons and, and oh like, yeah i guess that's the organic part like growing yeah. in there okay that makes sense the tactacian macrovirus from macrocosm uh we have the uh, the threshold salamanders <laughs> and then the uh, the holograms the clown from the thaw uh chaotica from bride of chaotica and and others. michael <laughs> sullivan from i guess fairhaven and spirit folk and that's all i got on Tuvix, but then with I Have No Bones Yet I Must Flee, that title is taken uh-huh. from the... Well, I've never read it, but uh, Warren Ellison uh, famously penned... Uh, Harlan Ellison. City, uh, or, I'm sorry, Harlan Ellison. Who did I say? Warren Ellison. I don't know who that is. Oh, no, that's someone else. Uh, no, fuck that guy. We're talking about Harlan Ellison. That's another <laughs> thing I got to bleep for truck geeks, but... Um, oh, yeah. Har- Harlan Ellison, uh, he wrote a short story called I Have No Mouth but I must scream. And this one's called, I have no bones yet. I must. Oh, other things I thought, like, is it yet? I did not but, know that. Like that huh. I have to flip that one. But yeah, I want, I want to read that. Uh, speaking of like, it's, you know, kind of like the spooky time of year. Uh, yeah. I, I'll read like a good, like a horror story that in, short story that uh, inspired the, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Terminator from what I understand. Okay. So it's like the part of that legal settlement. They got Harlan Ellison's name in the yes. end credits. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you pointed out the uh, the Andy Probert concept for the Rondon yes. Warbird, the uh, the vertical design. It's not exact, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was something like I never knew if I actually wanted it in canon, but now that I've seen, it, it's like, oh yeah, that's uh, I like I like that variety. You know, it's clearly yeah. a, clearly Romulan, but it's something different. You know, we we haven't had a poor Reman on screen in Star Trek, I guess since. Uh, there were there were some in Enterprise actually. Enterprise season four had a few walking around on Romulus in the background. 
Oh, yeah. That's the only time we saw them outside of Nemesis, and we haven't had them since, but we saw some Riemann body parts chopped up and thrown in a body bag. I was kind of surprised to see Riemann's That's have... That's a little gross. Yeah, they have red blood, so it's oh, like yeah. even grosser. Like, why wouldn't you use green blood? Like, I thought they'd be like the same as uh, Romulans or Vulcans, yeah. but... I don't know. That's um, weird. It is, but I mean, like, we also have like white skin and yellow eyes, so they they are weirdly colored. Uh, I guess it makes sense their blood could be a weird color too. Uh, the, the workout <laughs> clothes, though, that looked ridiculous on uh, Gates McFadden and Marina Sirtis, uh Let me look even highlight more ridiculous my boobs now. with this. It's like it's just it's such a weird. Ugh. Yeah, uh, but they also have ransom ask uh, Shax if if he wants a hot fudge Sunday <laughs> yeah. after after their workout. So that was a very Troy thing to say. She's a huge chocolate nut. The boxes that they carry around with when they're moving are, are just packed with a lot of familiar stuff. With with Boimler's, you see like his plaque for the Boimler effect. He got yep. way back in Temporal Edicts in season one. His Tom Paris plate, his Stargazer model that he had from Starfleet Recruitment Day, uh, the uh, the Klingon headpiece that he wears when he's playing B and B. With with Tindy, we got the picture of her dog named Dog. And her model of the Cerritos. And then with Rutherford, all he has is the the DS9 model. I guess, like, the animators didn't have time to, like, add stuff to his box. We don't really know. What do we know with, like, yeah. He has this DS9 model. He has, like, a a pad. And then he has this engineering tool. He could have his tricorder, the purple tricorder. He could have a bunch of those. Oh, yeah. The T88 (laughs) with the cool stripe. as the cool purple stripe. Uh, but uh, with with Boimler stuff, we also see his uh, Ad Astra Aspera poster from Strange New Worlds. With He's her face covered up. Uh, and we've never, we don't see her face at all in any of these, which is interesting. Oh, I yeah, I wonder if there's like a, an intentional reason for that. Yeah. We have his Captain Freeman Day banner. He rolls it up and uses it as his pillow. He also has his, <laughs> his fiddle or his violin. I don't know what he calls it but uh that's in his, his case and he has action figures of not just mirror universe archer but also captain spock in a monster maroon yeah and i believe like star trek first contact data with the phaser yeah rifle. that's what it, I'm, that's what my guess is yeah and uh we this is really cool i i, I think you're probably excited about this also aaron uh, as uh, you know a, a long time easter egg hunter the universe. But, yeah, the, <laughs> they have a name for it now the uh, the tucker tubes they're a, a thing but I'm, and this is, I guess I, everybody loves Trip Tucker. It should have been the O'Brien tubes. If it's the, you know, in, in real life, quote unquote real life, it's the most important uh, device in the universe. It should be like the most important man in Starfleet. Like, you know, should be O'Brien. I don't think it's, don't think it's something that Trip Tucker invented. I think it's something that someone named after him No, later. I know. I'm just, I'm just being silly. But, but just certainly... <laughs> Because yeah, we don't see th- we don't see that in in Enterprise or the original series or no. like Strange New Worlds or seasons one and two of Discovery. But so this it's like, prop has been around since the seventies. When did it first show up in in Star Trek? Uh, was it in any of the movies in the eighties oh. before it was in TNG? Yeah, I think it was on in. Um, was it in the, Wrath of Khan? Yeah, uh, like Genesis. Genesis. <laughs> Everybody, my my day is or my uh, day was very long, and I'm getting very tired. Um, it's like no, Deep it's Space like, Nine. It feels like a 26-hour day. Well, it's just everything that I did today just kind of call, caught up at once, I think. It's just like, oh, I need to eat and go to sleep. Well, it's only 7.30. Not, not quite asleep. <laughs> but now I wonder if we're going to see the uh, the Billups tubes pop up with the, yeah. the third tube that somehow doesn't trigger a Heisenberg collapse. Most important machine in the universe. I'm trying to... Uh, yeah, built in 1970s. Uh, 1977. To serve as a sci-fi television and movie prop. Oh, it's just a generic prop that someone invented. It wasn't even for a specific movie. It was just the prop house. Yeah, it, it, it isn't. It isn't a bunch of non-Star Trek stuff. Like you know, it's in yeah. the uh, the last, last Starfighter. Starfighter. Yeah, 
What else? You have the same article. Knight Rider, Airplane 2, which had Shatner in it, uh, Austin Powers, and countless others. It was in V, I think. Okay. The only two that I knew was uh, Star Trek and and, uh, The Last Starfighter. Those are the only ones I remembered, but I, I knew it had been in a bunch of others. Nobody's sure what the most important advice does, aside from the fact that it has red lights that go back and forth. <laughs> I haven't watched The Last Starfighter in a long time. I kind of want to watch it now. 1984, my favorite year for movies. Also the year that Star Trek Three, my favorite Star Trek movie, came out. Ah. Me and Aaron were talking about this before. We're not sure yeah. if this is a, a glomer from the animated series on display in the menage, but it maybe Because is. they're very good about, like, when you see it, it's like, oh, we know that that's what this was supposed to be yeah. but this isn't close i mean it's close but it's not right especially like the they don't even have eye stocks it's like little yeah it's like, like they're not even like, eyes if, yeah. if they just would have added two eyeballs on the top of those antenna yeah. things yeah like that point. yeah if this had like two little round orbs up there and i would have been the, like that's clearly a glomer yeah but, and the spikes that come out of the middle aren't they're, they don't look like spikes. They're actually colored the same color as the body. Yeah. So. They're, before, they kind of look like teeth. They kind of look like like if, what's his name? Moopsie saw that, <laughs> he'd be like, oh, that looks tasty. I'm I'm hoping, I, I asked Mike if he uh, knows what it is, which I'm assuming he's probably either at the showing or talking in front of people at the at the uh, Star Trek day in San Diego. Uh, but hopefully by next week, we will get an answer if this was actually supposed to be a glomer or not. Well, uh, we'll find out one way or another, so... Y'all come back and we'll have an answer for you. And there's also a city ill from Wrath of Khan in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a koala <laughs> with like a unicorn spike on its head. There's all like unicorns. They all have yeah. That's the section is all unicorns. <laughs> uh, so I assume they're from the the planet that we go to in the Enemy Within in the original series, where there was a, a unicorn dog. Yeah. There's like a unicorn Chihuahua here, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I don't know. Chihuahuas are funny dogs. There's the. Uh, Winged creatures from Aurelius or Areolus. Uh, it's like a nipple joke was the name of the planet in in the uh, peanut ha- hamper episode last oh, season. Great. But there's the turtle doves and the sky That's snake yeah. flying around a cylinder. Uh, Why well, call it a sky uh, snake if everything's in the sky? <laughs> yeah, that's a funny line. That was one like, of the, yeah. It just be a snake? Like, yeah. The uh, crystal ball with three cobras coming out of it. That was, that was a form that Q took, I guess, to kind of like intimidate the Enterprise crew in the next generation. He's like, look, I can Apparently turn it's into a thing. A, this weird animal. Um, yep. Some people have actually theorized that that's Q's natural form. Oh. Uh, that's like, that's what he truly looks like if he, when he's not trying to look like a, a human captain. Why does all evolved beings in Star Trek seem weirdly not evolved? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't like know. Like a three-headed snake the, uh... thing? How is this the person that becomes the ability to, like, bend space and time? Like, what? Yeah, I mean... Maybe it's the crystal ball some, part? I don't know. <laughs> some aliens are pretty alien, but yeah. That's, yeah. Like, what what course of evolution... Like, what uh, yeah. the, the biologist Richard Dawkins called the blind watchmaker of evolution. Like, what, what course <laughs> of evolution would, would you know, make, make this... This. Uh, <laughs> this crystal ball with three cobras become, like, an all-powerful god. Like, yeah. that's just weird. Uh, the... Uh. Swamp gobblers, though, um, they were called Pyrithian swamp gobblers. So I oh, assume they're from the same bat. planet as the Pyrithian bat. Yeah, from Wrath yeah. uh, that we actually get to see in but Enterprise. It, I would say, yeah, isn't it like, isn't it in Enterprise? I didn't realize it was in Wrath for some reason. Yeah, it's, uh, Scotty's nephew uh, says that if uh, if the Admiral can't see that, he's as blind as a uh, py- Pyrithian bat. Yeah, and then he died. <laughs> and then. Uh, Spock says Pyrithian bats in, bats in Star Trek Six, right? When he's like, the boots will cling to the killer like a pair of Pyrithian oh. bats or something like it's that. It's mentioned a lot more than I realized. 
Yeah, well, Nicholas Meyer said it a couple times. I don't know if anyone else ever mentioned it until Enterprise, but uh, the uh, the last thing I got is because um, I forgot to point out, I forgot to get a slide to point out that the humans have the same wardrobe that they had on the episode of Next Generation that you mentioned, Aaron, with the uh, genetically engineered telepaths. Yes, where uh, Pulaski gets super aged, but I can't think of the name. Oh, but I, that's how these yeah these humans were were dressed in in this episode, and then. Rutherford's uh, little machine that he's playing with that he's tinkering on in their quarters at the end is Wesley Crusher's little uh, tractor beam thing. Unnatural selection. Oh, yeah. Unnatural selection. Where she uses, I'm pretty sure, like Nurse Chapel's program stuff from the... From the animated um, series. From the animated series, because she did the same thing to um, Bones and Kirk and Spock and brought them back to make them, Yeah, to make them not be old and decrepit and from the yep. Lorelei signal and the book was actually better because they also lost their memories they're just like why are we here like didn't we get to go down this the planet and like yeah it's probably best that they didn't have to be embarrassed with how they yeah. made fools of themselves and do her i had to save them but all that out of the way that's all we got on gorn eggs so uh y'all heard us talk about these episodes for two and a half hours that is that was a long time uh we like lower decks uh we we'd love to hear what everyone out there thinks uh so if people want to comment on youtube or uh reply to some tweets i put on twitter today asking how people felt about these or you could tell us in the uh text Trek discord server or uh we have a facebook page also people can sound off um one of the one of the twitter. traditions we like to uh yeah and I'm, I'm trying to get active on other socials i'm yeah. hopefully blue sky and instagram are up and running next week uh wanted to have that done by this week but uh just and drawn to Trek has an, an X or whatever it's like, but I yeah I, I need to move it over uh, Instagram and Blue Sky as well. Yeah, we're we're thinking that Twitter is uh, just inevitably going to self destruct. So. And from what I've heard, Threads is more like brands just talking to each other. It's just like a lot of like you know if if the uh, the snarky Wendy's post from Twitter just had a bunch of those of different brands, that's what it kind of is mm. coming out to be. So people aren't hanging out there. It seems like. Yeah, well, it's unfortunate. There doesn't seem like a good social media platform these days, but uh, we can still find ways to connect and talk about Star Trek and have a, have a good yes. time. You can always you can always find our show. We'll still be around, like at least like YouTube. We did before there was an internet, anywhere, so. so you know, <laughs> yeah. we can do it. But I, I'm looking forward to uh, more lower decks talk in the coming. Man, it's gonna be crazy next week. Just have like one little like half hour episode to talk about. That's gonna seem like you know, such a lightweight <laughs> week, but some some well earned uh, downtime too. I hope we're gonna have another long uh, stream tomorrow. Yeah, that's gonna be tons of fun though. Please, yeah. Uh, if you are checking us out on Friday, please come back tomorrow Saturday at noon Pacific, two in the afternoon Central. I guess that'd be three in the afternoon on the East Coast. Uh, I'm I'm really excited for that, and I'm looking forward to uh, chatting about some TAS yes. and some Trek animation overall, and kind of kind of give it give all that stuff its uh, its due its day. We're going to talk a little bit about the strike as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to hear uh, some uh, some reports from the, from the picket lines. That all sounds pretty epic today. Um, but we'll uh, we'll be back talking about lower decks Friday, uh, seven p.m. Central, and uh, of course you can. Listen to us later, wherever you get your podcast, and uh, check out the Thursday night streams with uh, Rachel and the gang over there. They had a uh, first fun. reaction stream uh, last night. Yeah, those those are fun. So, um, But until next time, as always, live long and prosper, y'all.